Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 349. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what is up? And uh, who are you? Yeah, I got given a day off apparently. He just wandered in here. We just let him. That's what they keep telling me at work. Yeah, well, Connor, I want you to know, remember my old running joke with Connor Kent where Matt would say Connor and I'd go who? Mm-hmm. That's become your joke now. I'll say your yeah, name yeah. and then Matt will go who? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I figures. Yeah. So, welcome. Also, I'm still upset that no one made up the Connor Ryan addresses his enemies <laughs> theme. I still, I still need it. It's, it's a wrestling reference, Connor. You're not going to get it. Uh, right, okay. <laughs> I'll just say what? Well, I, I, yeah. I do not. Yeah. Yeah, as welcome everyone. It's DC Comics Podcast. Uh, we are here to talk about the comics we read this week. And there was a hefty amount actually this week. So today mm-hmm. we will be discussing Superman issue two, Nightwing 102, Batman One Bad Day Razal Ghoul issue one, The Flash 795, Batman Superman World's Finest issue 13, Deceased War of the Undead Gods issue 7, GCPD The Blue Wall issue 6, Swamp Thing Green Hell issue 3, and Connor, would you believe it has some Patreon books to catch up on? So he'll be talking about Tim Drake Robin issue 5 and Undiscovered Country issue 21. So uh, that is everything on today's show. And we still got the main event format with uh, Green Hell. And then we got Connor in a Lights Out match. <laughs> which is which is the only way to experience Connor, right? Yeah. Are we just going to use more wrestling terminology to alienate Connor yes. as much as humanly possible? Yeah, because I know that... it irritates him a tad. It doesn't. It just. I just like let it wash over. So I actually do. There's there's some news to talk about that will actually bring out a lot of natural wrestling uh, terminology. Uh, but before we get to that, there's always time no. for a comicsology top ten. He went too fast that I couldn't even protest. <laughs> that's 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 how you do it. You. The Batman. I'm not even looking no. at the screen yet. I'm not yet. It's too busy introing things. Oh, I forgot how this works. We're so. looking at the top 10 books as of right now on Comixology, aka the Kindle comics section. Uh, they split up by day, so we'll get Tuesdays first, then we'll see what the, the rest of the industry is on Wednesday. Did you guys talk about the potential competitors yet? No, news to me. Oh, I'll, I'll talk about it after. Right, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Dude, there's yeah. a news section. <laughs> I, I know, I, I just wonder if it's been talked about. That's why I said I'll talk about it after. Uh, all right, all right. You can tell Connor's back. I'm getting annoyed already. I'm glad that Connor stayed up to date. Like it, he got super behind reading the books, but on the news, he's you know he's ahead of me. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you think the number one DC book is as of right now on Comicsology? I think Connor should guess since this is his first episode back in forever. Okay. Okay. Batman. Batman wasn't out this week, Connor. That's how much Batman sells. Uh huh, uh huh. Very, very funny. Matt, would uh, you care to have a have a is guess? It, is it Superman? Superman I, I, is number one. Believe it or not, yeah, Superman issue yeah. two. Uh, no, that's Superman number two, Pete. Superman <laughs> is ranked number one. There we go. Yes, it is indeed issue two, Matt. Yeah, yep. Number two is Nightwing 102. Number three is Batman One Bad Day. Uh, number four is World's Finest. Number five is Deceased, World of the Undead Gods. Number six is The Flash. Number seven is Wonder Woman. Uh, number eight is the Milestone 30th Anniversary Special. So, mm-hmm. fair play. Uh, number nine is Swamp Thing Green Hell. 
And number 10 is Black Adam, issue 9. So uh, that is uh, how the top 10 shapes up. Um, yeah, obviously, like, we've had kind of a weird top 10 recently because they've had lighter weeks, so we get to, like, number 9 and 10 being, like, trades. That didn't happen this week, so... Uh, also, Tom Taylor, three three books in the top five. That is right? true. Yeah. People, people like a bit of the, the Tom Taylor. We know he's always sold well for you know, yeah. quite a few years now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was definitely really interesting to bring up for the top 10 this week. Uh, glad, glad, glad to see Superman in the number one spot. Glad to see Nightwing in the number two spot. Flash could be higher, but, you know. Yeah. It's not super surprising, though. It's getting, like, it's pretty deep in a run at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, d- d- quality aside, it's pretty normal yeah. for, you know, things yeah. to drop as they go down. Yeah, alternatively, Catwoman 53 is number 12, like, underneath yeah. the Legion of Bloom special. Right. So you know that's that's going much worse. I wonder how that mm-hmm. how that's selling if it is selling yet in trades because it seems like the audience for it might be in the bookstores. Well, I was thinking it's more maybe more just the uh, physical buyers of the uh, the variants to keep it afloat rather than anything else. Possibly because much like Poison Ivy, Catwoman tends to give a lot of sexy variants that people. Mm-hmm. Is it still collect. the same creative team? It's right t- Tini Howard. Teeny. Yeah, yeah. I think the artist has maybe shifted between arcs, but yeah. Yeah, because I think it was Sweeney Boo at one, one point, right? Yeah, uh, David um, Nakamaya right now, but the looks yeah. of it. Yeah, I only I only know like Sweeney Boo's going on the, the Harley book because I keep yeah. seeing adverts for it. Uh, yes, yes. With Tini Howard, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. I think you're correct. Yeah, I think I think that that there's a team taking over Harley this month. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Uh, we'll look at Wednesday then. We'll look at the the rest of the industry. Uh, come on, Matt, you've had so much practice. What is the number one book from Wednesday? Uh, so I, I'm going to say it's Sense of Sinister Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants. Uh, you're right, yes. It took me a second to process... If you're going to tell me no, I was going to throw something out my head. It, it took me a second to process what you said there, because you started with the Sins of Sinister part. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Storm and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, or whatever it's called, is number one, yes. Yeah. Uh, number two is Doctor Strange, issue one. So new to Doctor right. Strange book this week with Jen McKay, but notably Alex Ross on the art, which is yeah on interiors. It's not just a cover that Amazon are listing. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll click on it to find out. Um, oh no, you're right. They've they've just put them in a weird order. <laughs> yeah, Amazon do this. Uh, Pascal Ferry on the uh, on the art. Fair enough. It's good that Steven's back. He's been gone for a minute. He died. You know, you don't die in comics. So yeah. it's not, I mean, Alex Ross has done interiors at one point in yeah. his career, so it's not. Just not in a while. I think he did. Well, I said I think he did a book like a year or two ago, right? At Marvel. Um, it was like a, was it yeah, like a sequel to Marvels, something like that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's never like an ongoing monthly book. No, Could you no. imagine? He called his shot, and it was for Doctor Strange. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Hey, I really like I the kind bo- of respect that though. I like, really like yeah, Justice that, League. That shows commitment. The Justice League book he did, I really liked. Uh, yeah, Justice. Justice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that one. Uh, Number three is Amazing Spider-Man. Number four mm-hmm. is Marauders. Number five uh, is Gargoyles issue four. Hey, let's go. Okay. I'm, I'm assuming it's the, as in the cartoon. Yeah, it's yeah, got yeah, a Disney yeah. black branded. I've never seen the show, so I don't even know anything oh about God, Gargoyles. Oh so good. Uh, yeah, I don't think it got big over here. No, I, 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 I never saw it as a kid, ever. <laughs> my, my introduction to Shakespeare was Gargoyles. Because Macbeth was a character, and then uh, the the characters from Midsummer's Night Dream were characters. So literally, the only yeah. person in this country I know 
who has any care about it is James. Let me guess. Yeah, I was going to guess. Yeah. It's Academy Burrell. He's a weird bastard. Yeah. Number six is Punisher issue 10, which is Jason Aaron's book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only got two issues left. Uh, then number seven is She-Hulk, issue 11. Number eight is Darth Vader. Number nine is Power Rangers. And then number 10 is The Magic Order, which is Mark Miller's uh, book. Oh, sorry, I should specify. The Magic Order 4, issue 3. So it's the fourth book, I guess. Yeah, he just does them as sequel miniseries. Well, which is fine. Yeah. It's, it's just because comics always have an issue number at the end, it's just kind of awkward to just have a number as, as your sequel title. But It is, but it makes it a lot easier to follow. <laughs> Oh yeah, sure. Uh, I have no problem with the numbers on the trade. It's just awkward to yeah. see the single issues. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, there's a couple of non-Marvel things in there, which is always nice to see on a Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's mostly Marvel dominating after that point, though, until you get to you know the the low teens. Uh, well, yeah, that's pretty much it. So there you go, Comicsology top ten for another week. Matt, you're you're free once again. Hallelujah. I'll I'll, I'll see you next week for Recovery Solid yeah. Top Ten. Uh so as a little bit of news, there's not a ton, there's a few spattering of things, a couple of quick things, and technically this came from the solicits last week, although they weren't labelled as much in the solicits, but uh, there's a couple of cancellations to report for June. Uh Tim Drake Robin is ending. I believe that's issue ten that's ending within June. And then Batgirls is also ending. Uh, which oh, is uh, issue 20 I think so 20 is not bad I would have liked to have got yeah. to maybe 30 I feel like that's a nice meaty enough run but 20 is yeah. reasonable enough that's uh, not bad so yeah uh, do they have two annuals? they've had two annuals right? I don't know if they had they have had one I don't know if they had two annuals yeah okay uh, I'm just trying to think how they would break that up in the trades because they don't always have an annual so I don't think they had one mm-hmm. Like gotcha. last year, that they had. Well, they had, they, sorry, they had one last year, but they, I don't think they had one in twenty twenty one. Gotcha. So, uh, but yeah, so you know, I'm I'm sad to see Batgirls wrapping up, but there's a lot of books mm-hmm. starting up in the next few months, so it's not like we're going to be hurt for for stuff to read. I wonder what that creative team is going to do now because they're not going to be on Wonder Woman. That's true. That's on Batgirls, so could be something else they're announcing yeah. later in the year, yeah. or maybe they're going to do some non DC stuff for a bit. Right. It's possible. Yeah. I think both those books ran long enough under them that yeah. I can't see them being like kicked off the oh it's terrible sales and like yeah. like, I, I think if they have a project that if mm-hmm. you know if they want one, I think DC will have something for them. Yeah. 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 You know, as we've been seeing with these solicits the last few months, it seems like every month or two there's like another little batch of these Donna DC books starting. So yeah. there there could very well be something mm-hmm. in September or whatever. Yeah. But that's uh couple of quick things um should also mention just uh so the the, the wrestling talk i was alluding to earlier uh mm-hmm. is just about uh so there was some wrestling like drama with shazam 2 this week and that mm-hmm. the rock pulled a hogan and said that doesn't work for me brother when he was told yeah. to do a, a cameo in the post credit scene so yeah, basically, by the sounds of it, The Rock wanted to position Black Adam to be the center of the new universe against Superman, played by Henry Cavill, and that's what he was trying to engineer. He didn't want to just be Shazam's opponent, he wanted to be Superman's opponent. And this is so carny wrestling, like, pol- pol- politicking behind the scenes, 
to make yeah. yourself look stronger. You know, and that's why it goes back to that Fast and the Furious thing where apparently The Rock yeah. had a clause that he couldn't be beaten a fight with Vin Diesel or something stupid like that. Like, I mean, he got his own spinoff movie out of it. It's like, so that's stupid. That's I need to know. <laughs> yeah. He also flexes a cast off his arm at one point too, so you, you know that wasn't in the script. I mean, I'm fine with that as a stupid thing to happen. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. this, this ego thing. Like, you're playing yeah. a character. This is not emasculating you if you're losing a fight. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, yeah. He, he came off looking a bit like a dick does, this week. I'm just, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, does, was it just Vin Diesel or was it in general? Because I'm trying to remember him versus Statham. Did that end in a draw? That was pretty even. I mean, I don't remember the movie yeah. that well, but I, I seem to recall yeah. that fight being pretty even back and forth. I don't know how it ended. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. So, wow, yeah. I mean, Black Adam is just so-so, so I'm not broken up that bad by it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I nearly watched it the other night, just because, why not? And then I went, yeah. eh, I'm good. He, I also read out of that same story that he had stopped any, like, uh, hot, any type of JSA type Oh, yeah, stuff he stopped because... all the other characters from his movie yeah. appearing in the post. Because, yeah, uh, yeah, they were supposed to have some of the JSA in the post credit scene of Shazam 2, and they're up went nope <laughs> yeah exactly Levi i was talking about that today mm. or yesterday i think in a video mm. and he was just Seems... kind of complaining like whatever the post credit scene is he's like yeah yeah no it's fine there's nothing wrong with it but we did have other plans yeah so it's just one of those things that like if, if you do watch black adam it's one of these things that just a complete misrepresentation of that character when you have these jsa characters that have tied to ancient egypt and black adam's past yet they don't touch on it at all. So, like, I still don't get him not letting Hawkman... I mean, I think it's, for whatever reason, he picked Black Adam as his vanity project, but obviously Mm -hmm. didn't care about what Black Adam's supposed to tie to in the comics. You know, he's supposed to be the nemesis of, you know, Captain Marvel Shazam, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Right. He's supposed to have these ties to Kandak. He's supposed to, you know, like all these things, Mm -hmm. and it feels like, no, 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 he's just a badass. I'm going to play the badass Black Adam, and that's my character. Yeah, and so, you know, um, and, and they do stuff with the origin that you think is almost there and, you know, doesn't quite get there because you, know, you can tell the rocks, like, oh, no, that's not the story I want to tell. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, but the, them him stopping other characters because they're tied to Black Adam, his movie, I just, I don't yeah. get that. Well, he did change know. the hierarchy of power in DC because he put mm-hmm. James Gunn in power when his movie flopped, mm-hmm. so. Uh, True. He didn't lie, technically. He, he was right, just didn't go according to his plan. Yes. Yeah, uh, he went over by losing. <laughs> See, Rock, uh, so after Black Adam, you're going to take on uh, Shazam in the third Shazam movie, and he'll like, eventually win and he'll beat you because you're the big bad guy who's really like yeah. threatening. That doesn't work for me, brother. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh. that, that's, like, that's what this entire story is. And it's, just, it's just really funny. Uh... But yeah, so what's that? Uh, what were you going to talk about, Carter, with the alternative digital storefronts? Uh, I'll get to that. Just one of the little piece of DC news okay. that you didn't mention. Um, the Penguin series mm-hmm. has been delayed. It was meant to start in Uh-oh. June. It's now coming yeah. out in August. And something's gone on behind the scenes because they've changed the artist on it. Because uh, they had oh, okay. solicited uh, yeah. Stefano Godiano. Uh, uh-huh. But now they're saying it'll be Raphael Delator as the, the main artist. Mm. So I'm guessing that's why the delay is to give them a chance to actually redo the book, essentially. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Wonder. Huh. It may not be anything bad necessarily. It may yeah. just be the artist had to 
yeah, yeah step it, away it from whatever reason. It's yeah. very possible, yeah. But yeah. It, it's unusual because the fact that it's had to be delayed implies there was a pretty significant lead already happening and mm -hmm. that maybe they'd already completed an issue or two. Um, mm. And I'm surprised that if, if there's not something gone on between them and it is just the artist stepping away, why they wouldn't just use those issues or even just get a fill-in on the pages that aren't finished and then change artist after the, yeah. the after that like they normally do. Yeah, because that's Tom King, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So. I mean, maybe he's just like, he doesn't want it to be half and half. He wants it to be yeah. one artist all the way through, so they're just yeah, accepting maybe. that. Yeah. Uh, which we always say we want as well, so I mean, it's not... Yeah. A bad choice. No, I mean, at, at this point, Tom King calls his shots when it comes to artists, right? Like, he gets everyone it, it that he wants. definitely feels that so. way. And, and these are artists I'm not familiar with by name. No. I've um, discovered many a good artist through Tom King comics, though, so I'm... I'm, I'm I yeah, I was them. not going to say that means they're bad by any means. <laughs> yeah. I'm willing to bet that, that it looks pretty good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, the, the other news that the, the competitors to Amazon's Comixology, um, there's two that have kind of entering the market. One's called Omnibus and the other's called Global Comics. Um, between them, they've got a good handful of publishers on board. Like Omnibus has only got a couple, like the big ones being they've got Image and Valiant uh, and Vault. Um, but Global Comics has uh, doesn't have Vault, but it's got Image, it's got Valiant, it's got Boom. Uh, so it's got a few more of the big uh, Top Cow as well, uh, mm. which publishes a lot of like smaller stuff but are still kind of you know pretty well known interesting uh, they've got archie comics as well um they've cut it, they've had a website uh for a, a while now a few months uh, but they're launching an app at the end of this month and this is where they've got the extra publishers on board for um i know they have a bunch of tko stuff on there available to read for free already mm -hmm. uh they have a subscription plan as well i don't i, I haven't really looked into it in terms of their their details, but they definitely seem to have a, a subscription, like a Netflix-style paywall. But they yeah. they have some free stuff. I don't know how they're going to be handling single issues. Uh, I know, obviously, neither of these right now has Marvel or DC, which is kind of the, the right. big guns where it matters. I, I can If they've got a subscription model that includes a bunch of indie publishers, and I say indie, I just really mean MEJDW, whoever. Um, I can see, if, if people are just going to be subscribed to DC Infinite and Marvel Unlimited, I could see there being like a third subscription service that does like image and some other publishers like every, mm -hmm. everything else yeah yeah i feel like yeah. that would actually fit a nice hole in the market for people who just want the subscriptions so if they can nail most of those other publishers that people mostly care about then i'd say yeah the the big ones that i'm not seeing so far are idw and dark horse yeah i'd yeah. say they've kind of got all the rest of the ones that yeah, I mean, Image and Boom are a big deal. Having Image and Boom are... Mm -hmm. quite... Image, Boom, and Valiant are still putting out quite a lot as well these days. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I think Image, obviously, has, that's where all this... That's your HBO comics. That's where all your creator-owned stuff tends to go. Mm -hmm. And I feel yep. like... I feel like Boom has a lot of important licensed stuff that brings in people who maybe aren't as into comics and maybe start to spread their wings because they like Power Rangers, they like whatever. Yeah. So, and similar with idw and dark horse uh, dark horse is kind of like in a weird like because it lost a lot of its licenses it's kind of yeah. becoming semi-image as well because some creator and stuff's going there now right. but so that's kind of in this weird in-between identities but they're still an important publisher i but... mean dark horse just for hellboy right if you put those all oh yeah hellboy somewhere. but hellboy, i mean Black i would Lively. subscribe I, I think there was a time though when 
you associated Dark Horse, yeah, Hellboy, but mainly with their Alien and Predator and stuff like that. Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a good decade or more. And I feel like with stuff like Black Hammer, and I know uh, Scott Snyder's had a comic there, and you know, there's a, there's a few books that would have went to Image before that have kind of went to Dark Horse instead. Yeah. So they're kind of crossing over into Image yeah. territory think, more so. Frank Avila's Black Beetle was Dark Horse, and yeah. that's something that, again, you, can, you could have seen that going to Image. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've they've definitely been trying for a while, but they've not quite made it out of that yet. Basically, what I'm saying is get IDW and Dark Horse on board, and you've got all the other big publishers yeah. that oh, aren't Marvel and DC. Dark Horse will be the last one because they, they are behind on everything. Yeah. Well, remember when they tried to run their own app right after oh, they were insistent was... they wouldn't join Comixology for, yeah. for years, and, <sighs> and it was it was a real hassle to deal with. From the it, it basically it no basically just meant I didn't read Dark Horse for about three years until they finally right. gave in and. Yeah. joined up same um and and like I, said, I don't know how this is gonna go uh, but i'm definitely gonna check it out i i i, I looked at the website i read because uh, they had tko comics on there for free and mm-hmm. i like a bunch of tko stuff so I was like, oh, i'll check out one of the other ones that was kind of yeah. on my radar and it, it worked fine on the desktop i don't think a storefront for single issues might get very far just because people like to have their stuff in one place and if they've already got a library through Comixology that has all these yeah. different publishers. Yeah. It feels weird to just start buying certain things on a different store. I certainly wouldn't like to do that. But if they have some yeah. sort of... Like, if, if you're subscribed to Marvel Unlimited and DC Infinite, even if you don't want another subscription, if they're, if they're not going to have a mm-hmm. subscription for all these other publishers, if you just want to buy those single issues because you can't subscribe to them, just get them, like, you may just settle with this other storefront instead because you don't need Marvel and DC single issues because you've just got the subscriptions. So. Yeah, I know. I don't know how much the monthly subscription is for that global comics. I know the yearly one is like seventy or eighty dollars, which isn't terrible if if they have a pretty decent library of content on there. I'd have to look at what's in it, but yeah, that doesn't sound bad. Like there's a lot of each stuff in there for that price. It's not... I, I think we'll have to wait until end of the month when their app launches. I'm assuming that's when they're kind of putting their integration in with Image because that's kind of when they've made this press conference. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll see pretty soon, but. Pretty major shift in, in you know in digital comics the first time probably since since Amazon destroyed Comicsology. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, a subservice that sort of unites all these publishers would be a great idea. I think some of them could do it on their own. I do think Image could probably sustain their own subscription service because they have enough. Yeah. I think some of the others would struggle though because they only have a I, few temples. I would agree, but I think Image would struggle because they have really specific deals with their. With oh, the creators. yeah. The, the, I mean, the back end would have, like, how they do things yeah. would have to change. I think that's but... what would really, you know, struggle with, you know, their price. But just, just in terms of the number of books they're putting out on a monthly basis, though, I feel like there's enough there to justify a service. But, yeah, ideally yeah. you'd have one that includes Image, Dark Horse, IDW, boom. Yeah, and, and like I say, as someone who has the subscription services, I, I have the DC and Marvel ones. That's where I read mm-hmm. probably, like, 80, 90% of my comics at this point. Or at least from you know, from those publishers, yeah. I would you know if if you, if you give me a, a subscription again for a, a similar price to those two per month, you know that that seven or eight ten dollars whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, you know I can get all the rest of my comics on there as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably jump on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it'd be nice to see if it if it happens. Um, this because the thing is the subscriptions do kind of make you feel like if. It's the same. It's the thing that's happened with music is that people don't necessarily, unless you collect like vinyl or something like that, where it's like you know it's the artwork and it's the the prestige of of the individual release. Like 
people don't really buy albums anymore. They just have Spotify. They just have YouTube music. Mm-hmm. They just have whatever. Um, and I feel like the more people get used to comic subscriptions, the idea of buying a bunch of single issues, at least digitally, every week, is going to like go further and further away. So you kind of need like the alternative for the rest of the industry. Yeah, and as I said, for me, you know, with with DC Infinite, with the Ultra subscription only being a month behind, it makes you know I, I read a lot of stuff that way now instead of you know buying all the singles on on Amazon, mm-hmm. especially as it's it's. It's it's not as good a reader as the old Comixology one, but it's better than the Amazon one is now. You mean it doesn't freeze up and crash your your mm-hmm. tablet all the yeah. time? And and you can read it on a desktop instead of just this doesn't work because it, it just is yeah. functionally broken still for Amazon's one. Yeah, I thought it was my iPad for the longest time. Then I saw people complaining about yeah. it, so then I was like, oh, so it's not me. Yeah, so, like yeah. just the, just the sheer fact that it works and it's perfectly fine to read on yeah. means it's better. So I mean, if if I wasn't doing the show, I would just do that because the digital stuff that I could read, you know, and I'm not kidding. Oh yeah, no, it, I, it would just make sense. I, I, I've said know? before, the being one month behind. If we weren't doing the mm-hmm. show, I'd just wait the month. <laughs> yeah, you do. Like, you know, certain the, things, there's certain things that I still buy physically that that would be my you know yeah. weekly. The, the so. only reason I, that I make a point of reading things the week they came out is because of this podcast. If if yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty okay. <laughs> Connor <with>. too. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's the thing. That's why, like today, I had to read double the amount of books because mm-hmm. I'm up to date, give or take on a few books here or there. I'm up to date up to exactly a month ago. So right. this week. I got all of these books from last month as well. So I had to read all of last month's books and then go and read this month's of, of books for this week specifically. Right. Um, which well, is a ball egg, but... And you've also inspired me to maybe go back and check out uh, Deathstroke uh, Year One. Yeah, that final there. arc that... I am... Because you know, yeah. I went back and read that. I am annoyed that they mm-hmm. just tacked that on as an arc at the end of Deathstroke Inc. and no one read it. Yeah, us included, right? Because it was actually quite good. And if you just put that as a Deathstroke year, year one, one, because they they marketed it as year one, they 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 said, hey, this is mm-hmm. year one. That you know the, the story was you know a, a typical year yeah. one story. And so, yeah, I, I do. I just do not understand why it says something. When, that, when it says something. I do not remember this existing. What? It was uh, right after the. You know, the, the crossover that Williamson did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was yeah. right after that. So when and, when uh, Dark Crisis started and Deathstroke was the main villain of that, they they did the year one thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, but like the subscription things make it easier for you to take a risk on something like that, right? If I got to pay $3 a month to read that, and I'm just like, $3? I don't know about that. Yeah, it's only $3 in a long time, man. It's about to be $5 for everybody. Yeah, $5. That's just my go-to number, right? That's, <laughs> In my head, that's when I when I go buy comics, I'm just like, oh, that's not... I was like, oh yeah, they're not three dollars anymore, right? Well, whatever. It's you know the six dollars a month, right? Versus how much? How much is DC Infinite? Uh, I bought a yearly one when they launched it. Yeah, well, I you paid... have to get yearly to get the one month delay. Yeah. You, you, right. you can't just pay for that. No, monthly. I, no, I think you can. But can you now? Yeah, I think there was just it was a yearly like it was a an offer. Remember... Like if you if you yeah. signed up in the first couple of months of them launching all three, it was a better time. deal. No, yeah. no, no, no. The discount was there, but no, I, I think. I mean, maybe it's changed. But when it launched, the way it worked was: is you could only get Ultimate if you paid for it yearly. Really? Monthly was still three months behind, or six months, whatever it was before. 
You sure? Uh, yeah, I was positive. Well, either way, what does that break down to around, Connor? Oh, I mean, it's like... I mean, I pay something like the f- £80 a year, well, so... That's the reason it's up. What's, what's, what's wrong with that? No, I just, I, I love when I tell people don't ring the doorbell because the dogs bark and I'm doing something and then they proceed to ring the doorbell. <laughs> especially when we have cell phones that you can just text somebody, hi, I'm here. Oh, good Lord. All right, sorry. Yeah. I, I'm just checking the price now because yeah. that, that's... Uh, it, works, it works out to be like 10 or less a month. The, right, the full so price. there you go. Yeah. Like, it's very cheap compared to yeah, buying. So, yeah, and you can take points. that risk because you're just like, oh, you know, if I don't like it, I'm not out. You know, so or or with me when it's physical, like now I'm out physical space as well because I don't know what I'm gonna do with all the comics I've yet to store because <laughs> I'm running out of spot, space in my oh, garage. Tell so, me about it. Moving everything was a bitch, bro. I I said when I moved here, like I'm not getting that many comics, and as I'm a liar, right? Because as as creative Which, teams that I we, like, we knew that at the time, though. We knew you were. Yes, lying. I know, I know, but like they're not upstairs. Right, they. I I didn't have to move twenty boxes again, down down and upstairs. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I just checked prices. Um, yes. Yeah. You, you were right. So the the standard monthly is seven ninety nine. Uh, annual is seventy five. This this is in dollars. Um, ultra is one twenty a year. But that's 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 the month behind one. That's the one that's just a month behind on every. So month. that's that's but that's ten dollars a month for basically a month. Month behind unlimited comics, right? Yes. yes. Plus all so, the back catalog and all the Virgo stuff that's on there. Right. right. So they added trades on now as well, as ooh. opposed to just single issues, which makes navigating some older stuff a lot, significantly a lot easier. easier to read. Right. So is that how you got Deathstroke? Was the was the trade, or was that all singles? No, I just read the singles because I just okay. knew where it was. Yeah, because the tra- was, I mean the trade still came out a bit later from DC. They, gotcha. don't, they don't go out right away. So you start- well, I just didn't know if that trade was out yet because that's yeah, I have no idea either. Um, but yeah. I know like like when you're on the series. So if you're on Deathstroke Inc., for example, mm-hmm. you've got the the tab that's just here's all the single issues in order, and then there's another tab that just says I can't remember if it says trades. I think it says collections. Probably collections. And then it just has yeah. And then it just says okay, here's the trades in there. Which is yeah. how Comixology used to operate. Yeah, it was so pretty, nice. pretty much. They kind of just yeah. went, "Hey, that kind of worked. Let's let's do something yeah. like that." And yeah, it's. Like I say, I think if if you can afford the you know 120 up front, yeah, uh, it's well worth it. Yeah. Assuming you buy more than two comics I, from DC a month. Yeah, I mean, considering the fact that my average right now at when I go and buy books at the shop is about twenty five, twenty six. Then that's a week. Yeah. So right there, four weeks. That's a hundred bucks by itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, All right. Well, let's wrap this up because it's just turned into yeah. an ad for DC Universe at this point. <laughs> well, on a DC podcast, who would have guessed? <laughs> yeah. That, the, the ten minutes are just pandering to the company. That's what Connor's here for. Chill. Hey. I advertised a completely different service and said I was going to sign up for that as well from rival companies. You're goddamn shell, and you know it. All right, let's go on to the books, uh, shall we? Superman, issue two, Joshua Elmson writing with Jamal Campbell on the R. So we got a parasite story, but parasites multiplying instead of growing stronger. Yeah, multiplying and, and parasite zombie type story, which was not expecting. Uh, and that's a new version of Parasite. So... Uh, check check those boxes for 
you know, how, how can we do things differently? Um, my only issue with this, I'll start with the negative, then we can move to the positive. Mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, not that there's not enough story, right? But just like in a monthly book, I got to the end and I was expecting more, you know, just with introduction of new characters, we don't really resolve too yeah, much. It's, it's very issue two, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a lot of those problems that are common in a lot of those books where yeah. the first issue is your big, you know, your, your showpiece. This is why yep. you're here. And this one slows down. Obviously, there's still a lot of action in this book, but it slows mm-hmm. down compared to issue one. It's not as yeah. exciting as issue one. So and uh, it's normal, but it but makes yeah. it inherently less special. Yeah, you know, and, and stopping to introduce a new character as well, you know, uh, with, with all that. Um, yeah, just that. But the rest of it, right? like Jamal Campbell's uh, Parasite Zombies looked great. So, you know, um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We get a big two-page spread of like all the parasites uh, climbing up a building and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I really like the way that's lit by the you know the the heat vision in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the red light. Uh, it's a very pretty image. Uh, and you know, what? credit where credit's true, there's a recap paragraph on the title page, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. you know, well, we're we're getting somewhere. Yeah, we've yeah. been saying DC should have been doing that for a long time. Uh, so the last issue set up that it's Lex Luthor's like enemies that are that are up to no good, mm-hmm. and we get this uh, this team of like mad scientists effectively who are the ones mad cut- scientist league, yes, uh, who are cutting up uh, Brainy or not Brainiac, sorry Bizarro. I did I, did Bizarro. I do that last time? I think I said that last time we were you talking did. about the last issue. Yeah, I called him Brainiac, uh, but yeah, cut up Bizarro and uh, you know Doctor Farm is the one kind of running this show. Uh, one of the things that one of the things that I did like a lot is that when Superman goes to the Supercourt building to, uh, you know, try and figure out what's going on or whatever, um, there's a there's a the the LCD panel or whatever it is that's got like the, all the Super family and not the actual Super family, but just Superman with a bunch no. of kids who are all dressed yeah, in like, Superman like, outfits. Basically, the, the Supercourt propaganda. Yeah, yeah. So. I did like them bringing that back. They set up last issue, and then this issue used it to show that one of these parasites is draining the energy from it, and it like shows that itself cracking. I thought that was just a nice little thing, because it meant more because we'd seen it last issue, this p- mm-hmm. particular screen. So it immediately put us in a place of the same, you know, okay, we know exactly where we are. Uh, we know exactly what they're infecting, uh, and obviously Mercy's you know fighting them off as best she can. Hey, robot hands come in handy. Yeah, and Superman's got his freeze breath. So... Uh, the whole thing is Lex basically said, hey, you're going to have to come and get me out of the prison, Superman, because I can help. We need to team up. That, that, that's what this is all about. Him being the annoying, like, he's like a pop-up ad for Superman. <laughs> right? And it just, it just kind of cracks me up. I also like the Superman and Mercy interaction where, you know, uh, Superman brings up, like, oh, yeah, these are Lex's enemies. And she's like, oh, I have no idea what this is. He's like, look, you lie for a living. You work for Lex Luthor. I'm not gonna just take this at face value. I do like Superman there, you know. Yeah, I also I like uh, you know we see the rest of the super family containing the city with the big ice mm-hmm. wall to try and uh, stop the parasites uh, from mm-hmm. multiplying because you know if they keep going at this rate they could actually just take over the entire planet uh, yep. by the morning. So we get we see John, we see Kara, we see the the, the new kids sort of flying around, and mm-hmm. it. John just says, "Hey, I couldn't get in contact with Mum," and that, and as soon as he says that, you turn the page, and the tone of the comic completely changes. You know, it's nighttime. Yep. Superman's, you know, got the moon behind him. It's just the, the dark blues of yep. the Daily Planet entrance, 
it really sets the tone of like he's worried what's he going to find when when he gets there and what he actually finds is a new character uh <laughs> matt's uh getting up to uh yell Sheer unbridled brain possibly or at least shut the door i imagine yeah he shut the door okay so yeah we get this new character who's got like a kind of uh, would you call it a cowboy hat i guess I, i'm thinking more um like mask style hat which i guess is slightly different from a cowboy hat they're uh they're like a, a highwayman bandit yeah, yeah 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 that kind of hat yeah, yeah but it's definitely western inspired like you, yeah. you look at, at her and you're just like oh who's this who's this she's, yeah you she's know? got a black outfit but the underneath of her cape you know like batman mm-hmm. underneath his capes a different color sometimes and the the, mm-hmm. the main part of the cape you always see yeah here it's like that but the underneath of the cape is like just light so it's this blinding, yeah. blinding light that's coming from well, the cape. Her yeah, guns looks, are like that as well. Yeah, yeah the well, guns are white as well, yeah. And, and then it makes her hat look like a crescent moon almost, too. Yeah, so yeah. Like it really so strikes an image. Yeah, so her name is Marilyn Moonlight, and I definitely felt a lot of Moonlight vibes just from the, her aesthetic. Yeah. So even, even the way her cape shapes. Yeah, so credit where credit's true. Like, they, they, they nailed the theme of the character with mm-hmm. this design, if nothing else. Yeah. So... Yeah, but she kind of, like, envelops Superman at one point with her powers. Uh, well, exactly what they are remains to be seen. But she also, like, shines bright. And it's like Superman gets a vision of Metropolis in the past, you know, back in, like, when it was first being formed yeah. in, in the old Western times. Yeah. It's like an old Western town, which makes me think that may, it, maybe it's not Metropolis. You think? I right? as well, yeah. I don't know yeah. why he leapt to that being Metropolis. Well, I, 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 mean, I just I assumed why. he was literally seeing the same street, but, like... Yeah. But, you know. but also, also the way that she talks, it sounds like she's been around for a while. So maybe it's, you know, she's like this protector of Metropolis. But I don't know. Just knowing what I know about Metropolis and its past, it does more in, in you know, it, it's New York, right? So I mean, do you think um, do you think what he was seeing here is like her teleporting back to a different time or something like that then? I, I don't think maybe. it's either. I think it's a memory because it's it's mm. from the point of view of someone on a horse, right? Yeah. You can see the, ha- the, yes, just the hands. Sure. I, I think it's probably her her memory because she acts like she's a ghost right. that, that, you know i'm not sure she actually is but you know i can buy that she's you know lived a long there's time some, there's some magic things going on because i definitely yeah, feel I, like yeah maybe i don't know i was reading i read like eight comics today and i was sleepy so no, you're fine. i never I, mean, I, I never noticed the hands which i, I met, makes it look as a pov but i just uh, i read this and thought oh this is just the street as it was in like 18 80 or something you know? you know i say that now I, I guess it can't be her memory because those arms that i'm looking at now are very white oh yeah this is like a white man's arms yeah yeah so yeah it's someone that you know someone that has something in common with superman i don't you know i would maybe suspect that like maybe it's someone that like what if superman goes back to the past later in this story and this is like a glimpse of like his future as it mm-hmm. were or something okay. uh, or, or he's at, least, at the very least he's connecting to someone in the past that he's seen through like in this moment that's, and yeah. that's what I'm thinking you know something along those lines someone that has something in common with Clark you know this this kind of white hat style cowboy so, or something here's an interesting thing so all the power like, or most mm-hmm. of the power has been drained from him from the parasites they've drained the power from the city and he says mm-hmm. here that, that that bright light, just as he sees this vision, has recharged him. And he mentions yep. that it's moonlight. How do we feel about the idea that moonlight is charging Superman? Well, moonlight's just sunlight that's being reflected off the moon. So 
Okay. Yeah. Matt just yeah, nailed no, it. I, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Fair yeah, enough. It's just a. Yeah. It's just a slightly weaker version of. Sorry. Of sorry to Neil deGrasse Tyson, Matt. Right. Like. I, no, it's it's but, a good reason. I just I never thought of that that, that way around. I just kind of. Because you know, because she's producing the moonlight on her own, but yes, technically, yes, moonlight is just a reflection of sunlight. That right. Is so, so even if it, even if she's creating the moonlight, whatever that radiation is, it's similar to the yellow sun radiation. It's just a weaker version, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but okay. it it gave him. It was the quick fight to eat. You know, when you're starving. You know, it, it's yeah. it's the guy. It's the guy in the marathon that's eating those little uh, waffle bits. It was. It was a bit. Going. It was a bit angry, so he had a Snickers. And now he feels yeah, like himself. There you again. go. So, I, all right. <laughs> so yeah, Alexis still saying, "Come get me out of the prison," and of course, Superman's like, "No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Never doing that." Yeah. Now, yeah. obviously, because the story, he's eventually going to do it, right? Yeah. It's going to happen, but he's not doing it yet. Uh, the big I reveal. I think that the the evil doctor, evil mad scientist league is definitely coming for Lex in prison. Mm. Like you know, and Superman's going to have to get there. Yeah. at some point. Well, the, the big reveal, because yeah. up until now, we just think they're like the parasites are duplicating, but the big reveal mm-hmm. that when he finds Lois is that Lois is a parasite. You know, she's changed into a yep. parasite-like being. Um, yeah. And she comes straight for him to, to drain him, yeah. you know? So, so uh, that, that's yeah. our big dramatic beat towards the end of the issue, and obviously uh, Super Family's watching on, he uses his vision to like look at her blood and stuff, and yeah. it, it literally looks like little parasites like jumping yeah. on cells. Yeah. Well, the, I just love the idea. It, it's a parasite virus now. Like yeah, that's how and, it's multiplying. And, you know, you just see him starting to transform. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's he has the, been infected. That's the final page that says mm-hmm. "Hunger of the Super Parasite" is what we're getting next time. And uh, they're cracking through that ice wall, as you can see. Yep. There's no cracking in this. What are you talking about? <laughs> he, he's literal. Talking, yeah, he's sorry about the sea monster, Connor. Yes, I know. I'm saying okay. it is the literal sound effect on the page. Uh, Wait, is they crack or cracking? This is crack. This is okay. crack. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. Imagine um, if it just said cracking. Cracking, right? <laughs> oh, we're going. We're going back to what, what? It was one of the deceased books, was it? We kept talking about Dark Sage Crack. Was it? Yeah. Was that a different book? It, I don't know. No, no, no it was. No, it was no, one of the was, event books. It was one of the event it was, books. Uh, yeah. The start of Dark Crisis. It, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the uh, Infinite. Infinite Frontier. Yeah, it was it was the lead up to Dark Crisis. Yeah, because it was yeah because he was cracking reality. So he, we kept going Dark Side's crack and well, yeah, that's they what they attack Dark Side's. That's crack. what they kept saying. They kept we have to get that crack yep. back from Dark Side. Yep. How did you write that yep. and not think like you heard that sounded? And it is Williamson too, anyway, right? Okay. That's just still Williamson. He loves crack. Williamson loves crack. You've heard it here first, yep. folks. He's still talking about crack. So he went from Dark Side's crack to Metropolis's crack. So see when you said it that way, it's still like you were talking about Dark Side's ass. <laughs> wait i thought that's the joke now i was thinking crack as in drugs oh no i always thought it was dark side's crack like his butt crack yeah i, I with matt it was funnier that way okay. yeah no but the, the, because they kept saying things that we have to get that crack back from dark side so i never right. i never so took I it as his ass i took it as yeah. as crack They're cocaine yeah no <laughs> i like both yeah <laughs> Yeah, it works. Well, so. what Dark Sage crack is is, is a whole debate. Like, may, is he crushing up planets and starting that? I don't know, but uh... yeah. it's definitely it's definitely not anti life because that's why he needs it. Of right? course, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, I mean, I enjoyed the issue. I, I thought it was moody, it was atmospheric. Yeah. I liked, uh, particularly, like, the first half of it was just Superman getting away from the parasites, which is whatever. Once it got to the Supercorp building, though, I thought the atmosphere and the horror of, like, these things coming after them, and then, like, the creepiness of going to the Daily Planet building, I liked all yeah. the atmosphere in those segments. It's it's not often we get a Superman kind of horror story, right? Like, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Uh, Greg Pak in the New 52, one of the few good arcs mm-hmm. of Superman in that entire time yeah. span <laughs> yeah um but so and, and here like looking at the cover with marilyn moonlight it, it made it look like she's oh this is the villain du jour right that's what we're yeah, doing i, I don't and, know how i feel about her yet because there's not really that much to go on as a character no but, but just like i i'm glad that it wasn't she wasn't just like the the villain of the week type you know this wasn't mm. the person they were sending after like if it it does feel very parasite. separate to everything else that's going on right mm-hmm. now doesn't it right so that was it a does. nice subverting of expectations for me, at least. So yeah, um, it makes me wonder. Yeah, like, it makes me wonder if she's going to stick around like after the parasite stuff. Like she's like a setup mm-hmm. for a longer. That's like, what play. it sounded like from yeah. the scene. To yeah, because well, she's like, "Hey, I'm helping you now because bigger issues." Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm coming for you. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, it definitely doesn't seem like she has anything to do with the supervillain uh, stuff. Yeah. Like she seems separate from that. So. Uh, but yeah, no, I, you know, I like when they subvert expectations off the cover like that, so. Yeah, the um, only thing I'll maybe slightly critique is that at the end of the last issue, when Lex revealed that, oh, we're dealing with my enemies, not yours, mm-hmm. I feel like when we actually got a glimpse of these characters in this issue, they feel a bit goofier than I think I was expecting or hoping. They're, they're, they're not, yeah, with with the save of Dr. Farm, which is spelled like pharmacy with the PH, yeah. Um, he's super creepy, and he's got a Black Bolt vibe that, like, his brother talks for him because the last time Dr. Farm talked, it, you know... No, is it not, is it, is it not the other way around? Is his brother whispers to him and only him because if he talks to anyone yeah, yeah, else, yeah. he'll That's right. kill them or That's whatever. Right. You know? Yeah. Because of what happened to their mother. And it definitely, you know, gave gave horror movie vibes again. Um, so, and he's wearing, like, this, this uh, like, uh, muzzle type thing, like this mm. leather over his face. Um, yeah, they feel a bit more wacky than I, I think I was expecting, yeah. which is fine, well, and I'll get into it. But I think yeah. last issue I was maybe excited for the prospect of someone who was really malicious in a way that was even yeah. scare Lex, but, you know. Well, and, and I think Dr. Farm could be that, and the rest of them are just along for the ride. Mm. You know? I feel like they're the, the red shirts, if you will. Um, but, but yeah. Not using red shirts like he's ever watched Star Trek. <laughs> I've seen some Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was that I don't want to say they're they're the Expendables, right? Because I've seen those movies. There, there's not really an Expendable. Oh, well, not the Expendables, but they are Expendable. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know. So. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. We ready to rate the book? That well, we we give yeah. Superman issue two. Um, how many of those an eight point five? Connor, I forgot how high Matt rates things. Um, I think I would have been a seven, but the art's really good. So I'm gonna give it a seven point five. Hmm. I think I think I'm leaning more towards just a, a straight eight. I think the art's really good for the most part. There is one like proportion thing. There's a thing in page two where he's like sticking out his chest, and I feel like it's just going a bit too far. That his head feels kind of weirdly tacked yeah. onto it. But uh, but yeah, the art's really good. Uh, I like the atmosphere. Uh, new characters intriguing enough. Yeah, uh, a good time. Yeah, yeah, a ten for me. So cool. Nightwing issue one hundred and two. Tom Taylor writing with Travis Moore on the art. So this is a 
continuing the, the cliffhanger last time, which was this shapeshifter is mm-hmm. knocked out Nightwing in the morgue and is trying to get to the girl that Blockbuster or Blockbuster's yeah. daughter. So the demon monster, Neron, whatever his name is. Yeah. And that's kind of where we pick up. Uh, honestly, I was kind of shocked with how quickly like the characters are just kind of figuring it out. Like immediately yeah. Nightwing wakes up and he's like, Hey Babs, tell the Titans something funny's going on. And uh, I think from from the meat locker, right from the, yeah. the drawer at the morgue office. <clears throat> but as soon as we actually spend you know ten seconds with the guy, the shapeshifter, like oh yeah, he knows nothing. He'd have been rumbled immediately anyway. Oh for yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. Because uh, like you know the girl goes with him, and as soon as like the real Nightwing shows up and. The, the evil one tries to be like, no, I'm the real Nightwing, he's the imposter, and immediately Dick just goes, what's the name of my dog? And he goes, oh, hell. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You could have done the most basic level of research, right? This is not asking yeah. some obscure question about your second year in high school. This is, yeah. <laughs> like, fundamentals. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So he, he didn't even know that Dick doesn't actually have any powers. Right? Yes, he was surprised by that, yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas this guy he's obviously... Just a guy in a tight suit? <laughs> yeah. whereas this guy obviously does have powers at the very least the shape-shifting powers uh, but uh, seemingly so does uh, the girl he's got, he's got strength and flight as well he, has, yeah, he flies later on yeah uh, but uh, the little girl punches him in the back uh, yeah. and oh yeah she seems to have some powers from her, her heritage as well um, yeah. so yeah I mean this is quite a big chunk of the issue he tries to fly off with her uh, but of course he, he doesn't get very far because like Starfire, Raven and Cyborg are just kind of waiting in the sky mm-hmm. for him so, uh, it's a pretty straightforward issue. Uh, it's quite light, although he does throw the girl away, which did make me laugh, maybe because I've got a yeah. dark sense of humour. Yeah, uh, yeah no, like, like, it... he's, he's like, are you not going to go and, like, catch her? And they're like, no, no, we're yeah. good. No, we've got yeah. at least one more flyer in the team, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Donna shows up. Donna with, with the save, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I did like the art, though. Uh, once he lands after getting blasted out of the sky, and his, like, body starts shifting back to whatever weird, demonic-looking yeah. figure he actually I... has. I like that. I do like he looks super creepy, like as the grinning man, right? Because uh, that was the name that was kind of hinted at in the last issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does have this big cartoony. It's not Joker esque, right? Because it is like his mouth is like physically bigger than the rest of. Well, his he head. also doesn't it have just... any other facial features. It's just like no, you know. Just a creepy... I know uh, you guys haven't been reading Nocturnal, um, mm-hmm. but he's very. The design is very reminiscent of a uh, Black Dot Bill in that. Right. Just, okay. with the, we'll just add on the grin. Gotcha. So yeah, he's very, like, I wouldn't say demonic, but but, but like, he's very different. Like, there, there's a sinister vibe to that smile. Yeah, you and, know. you know, I don't think any of us were worried about uh, Taylor's new Titans book. I think we were all excited yeah. for it, because, like, it makes sense. But I, I think this, this issue really sets up, like, much like he's done with Dick, the fact that Raven feels personally kind of angered by like mm-hmm. what's going on here because this girl's like you know this demonic father is coming after her, that kind of thing mm-hmm. like it's personal for her right and that comes up and she's like pissed and ready to go to war for it. Well, so yeah, because she's she's like caught in this politics of hell, you know that that she has nothing to do with, and that I, I like that one of the Titans questions like, Blockbuster's really the type of guy to sell his kid's soul, and like oh yeah, who are we dealing with? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of those things. Yeah, but I, I just, I like that because it was like, okay, you're tied into like the, the core stories of like New Teen Titans by like bringing this stuff up, and uh, you know maybe you know like a lot of team books, maybe there'll be an arc that focuses more on Raven's like character mm-hmm. arc. Maybe there'll be one that focuses more on Starfire, yeah. so on, so on. 
And it makes a lot of sense to do that, probably for everyone but Dick, just because, you know, he's already writing a Dick book. He has his book. Yeah, yeah. so he can be the leader, but everyone else gets their, their time. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's really neat. Um, I did kind of like the, the little backstory for the Grinning Man here, which was uh, mm-hmm. he actually tried to just be a guy who'd put on disguises before. He tried to rob a bank by just claiming to be Superman. <laughs> Yeah. And did a really bad job of it. Yeah. Well, There's something evil that, like, in your vault. I have to go and check it. <laughs> Let me in. Yeah, just the idea that Superman would rob a bank on top of it. Like, just walk in and, and you know, ask to see the inside. It was worth uh, a try. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then the nose the nose is too big. I just love the know? audacity of it. I, I, yeah. it. It cracks me up. Uh-huh. Um. So, yeah. Uh, they're basically forming this plan to, quote-unquote... Uh, steal the contract for this uh, selling the soul of the girl out mm-hmm. of the failing cabinet in hell. Yep. That's the plan. Yeah, Gar kind of says it jokingly, oh, what do we do? Just steal the file on the cabinet. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, yeah. Raven's like, Raven's like, yeah. Like, we, we can do that. Yeah. Uh, that was sarcasm. The, uh, well, that's the thing. Like, she yeah. says, yeah, and then everyone starts forming the plans. Okay, we'll do this thing. Uh-huh. We'll do that thing. And Gar's like, well, well, guys, <laughs> I was joking. Please. We're really sarcasm. not going to hell. <laughs> like, no, we, we are. Yeah. Uh, so which gave me my line of the week, probably. Is the Hell Heist. Oh, Hell Heist, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hell, hell, yeah. Hell Heist is a better name. And mm-hmm. that's uh, that's basically the issue. It ends with them sort of making this plan. I, you know, I I like this issue, and I think it mm-hmm. is more of a setup issue. I think it's set up a lot of good stuff for next time that I'm really excited for. There's, yeah. But there's good moments there. The, the fighting, I think the Green Man having this much character, and even when he's still looking like Dick, you get a lot of personality from him. Yeah. Uh, just from like the way he realizes so, things. So, this is what I'm so confused about. Did he kill the king of Latava and then take his place as the yes. shapeshifter? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And then he brought. They mentioned uh, in the last issue that I think it was the last issue that the uh, the king had been dead for like two weeks, but right. he'd been seen in the country like two days ago. Okay. Okay. Uh, he was so then then the... he took that dead body and and put it under the Titan's rubble. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how he is did that, that. His powers don't seem to blend. Or was that, but... or was that him? And as soon as they got him under the, he, he shapeshifted into Nightwing. It was him, yeah, because yeah. that's, that's when he took yeah. over the Nightwing. He, he got yeah. up in the morgue. Right, right. So okay, yeah. just making sure I follow everything, just because, because yeah. was, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, the I like the the art a whole lot too. I think Moore's really good at drawing the Titans. Um, you know, his Beast Boy. Starfire, even his his cyborg, they all feel like they're from the you know Wolfman and Perez era. Like they have that kind of vibe, but also modernized. Moore's so... doing the the Titans book, right? Yes, no, no, no. no. Nicole, Nicole Scott. Scott is. Oh, so Scott. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Presumably yeah, really still swapping between Moore and Redondo on this book, I still assume. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah. But yeah, I just they feel they you know his Titans feel like they're. Classics and it kind of kind of in that same way when uh, when Mora draws things, you know, it feels like that silver agey. This feels like more of that, you know, pre-crisis Titans. Yeah, but with the changes so. that make sense, like you know, Wally's in his Flash mm-hmm. outfit because obviously, yeah. it's, you know, Nightwing's in his modern Nightwing outfit. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. and it doesn't really feel like it betrays. It still feels like the team because no. despite right. the fact that when the team started, it was Robin and Kid Flash. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those evolutions still make a lot of yeah. sense. <laughs> really, the only suit that's kind of still the same is Donna's, right? Like in. Uh, yeah, well, she's still wearing that black. That's not true, because when uh, it started, she had a red suit, if I remember correctly. Was she not Was she not in the star China suit by the time? 
Nightwing was running around. I'm not talking like 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 Teen Titans, Teen Titans. I'm talking about like the all new Teen Titans era when Beast Boy and, and Raven and them showed up. Was she in the red one still? Yeah, the start of New Teen Titans when this team formed. I'm sure she was still in the red suit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think so. Anyway, either way, I, either way, my brain still stands. It, it is modernized yet feels classic. I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm wrong, she was already in a black suit. Then fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I seem yeah, to yeah. recall her in a red suit still. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sol- solid issue. Um. It's, uh, but it, it, this almost sounds like it's a negative, but it's not really. It's just yeah. It's not as much of a standout issue as some of these other issues have been recently on Nightwing. It's just yeah. it's a fine yeah. issue setting up the next one and doing some character stuff. It's very much it, like. I, I suspect I'll feel that way about a lot of this arc in that it's it's a transitionary arc in mm. that it's kind of setting up another book. And I'm sure that book will be very good as well. Yeah, because obviously uh, next arc we'll get back to Heartless probably and it'll feel like we're... Well, we've got the uh, the gimmick issue first, right? Which uh, I don't say that as a bad thing. So obviously the last yeah. gimmick issue was great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I compared that to yeah. Mr. Robot when that we got that news of that issue. Yeah. Is that the no, Wings yeah. of Run keeps doing issues kind of like how Mr. Robot did... You know the one take episode, the silent episode. The you know they add these. Yeah, compared to that, or I don't know, community. Community, yeah, community is another good example that they had the. Ah, oh, that's a reference I understand. Congratulations, Matt. Thank you. Congratulations. Uh, all right, Matt, what are you rating uh, Nightwing one or two? I am also. I'm giving this also an eight point five. Connor, uh, I'm gonna give it a straight eight. Yep, I'll also give it a straight eight. Uh, very good. Batman, One Bad Day, Raz Al Ghul, issue one. This is Tom Taylor writing with Ivan Reese on the art. This is the final One Bad Day book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, the standard of quality up until this point it has been, on average, much higher than I think I expected. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, have there been any bad ones? I don't think there's been any bad ones. There's been one or two that have been with... yeah. just fine, but like, there's yeah. been no bad one. I, like... Uh, it's not like Riddler is my favorite, and Clayface shocked the hell out of me. I was Clayface is the only one I've not read. Yeah, I was very surprised Clayface, by Clayface. Clayface is solid because that like came it's... out obviously this week, last month, which is where I'm yeah. up to. So I thought, it's... oh, well, I don't need to read that to read this one. It, so I'll just get for back me, to later. For me, it the defining Clayface story. Like it's that one, and probably oh, Tynan's tech. Yeah. So um, I thought it's super strong. Yeah, um, it was, but yeah it was... there hasn't been a bad one of these. There's been ones that I didn't enjoy as much, like Bane, um, but it's still not a bad read. Yeah, I think Bane and like maybe Two Face are probably like the mm-hmm. weakest ones. Yeah, I think Two Face might be. The... Yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, one of those two is probably the weakest. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and both of them are like, hey, if you if you read them, you're not going to be mad. No, no. not at all. Uh, it's, it's part of an anthology. Like, if that's your low bar, <laughs> then you're you're swimming. Doing, uh, doing pretty well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know. This this uh, Razal Ghul issue, I would say slots somewhere kind of just in the middle of the whole bunch for me. It's not as good as Riddler Clayface, but I obviously like it much more than the ones that we just mentioned that yes. were at the low end. As as the resident Raz guy, right? Raz is one of my favorite villains. I I think this is a a very solid Raz story, and I would, I would probably put it up higher, but I'm biased. No, I yeah. I, I also would put this in the the higher tier of mm-hmm. these books for me. Uh, having not read the Clayface one yet, admittedly. Mm-hmm. So that, mm. that might end up above it still. Yeah. But. Um, but but yeah, I mean, again, not shocked that Tom Taylor understands the you know, Razogul in the way that he does, um, and and it's all the reasons why I love Roz as a villain, especially as someone that's opposite Bruce, because uh, you know 
Not that they necessarily have the same goals, but they are on the same side to a certain point. Um, and I like how this issue plays with that. Yeah, uh, so it kind of has this bookend where it opens with Raz kind of experiencing a rebirth. Then, like, he always mm-hmm. sort of goes back to this memory from his childhood where he was mm-hmm. saved by, like, a, a wolf or... A pack of wolves, yeah. you know, as, as these, these barbarians are raiding his village as he's a child. He runs into the forest and they got him. So, yeah, this is what his mind always goes back to when he's yep. been reborn in the Lazarus pit. And this story is effectively about Raz enacting a plan in which he wants to improve the world by taking out 27 targets who are mm-hmm. all kind of, you know, billionaires and adjacent type people who are responsible for things like, you know, oil corporations, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people who are high up in the list for ruining the planet, <laughs> let's just say. And. Yeah. Wants to they, they have wait. some real world. If if you really dig deep, they have some real world uh, counterparts. You know that that have been in the news recently. Oh so. sure, we're not going to do that though. No, uh, but it, basically, it's him going after all these characters, and he has like he set things up enough that he's got people in place that are going to replace them with better ideals. Now they're not people who work for Raz or even members mm-hmm. of the league. It's just that he's kind of basically politicked his way to making sure that whoever's next in line to take over a company is, you know, the main example we get in this is this guy who owns a, you know, a fossil fuel company. His mm-hmm. daughter, like, wants to get away from that and wants to move to renewable energy and things like that. So, um, and it kind of presents this interesting conundrum where his goal, and this is often true for Raz, but here especially, it's very clear cut. His goal here is very positive. It's very commendable and what he's actually mm-hmm. trying to accomplish so when Batman still wants to sort of bring him in for the murder of multiple people, it does kind of like present pre- present this interesting quarry for the audience as far as your morals and ethics go, because you're like, you know, you may actually the world may be better off, honestly, with these yeah. people gone. Like, yeah, it's Bruce. it's very much playing the uh, the eco terrorist angle that it does with mm-hmm. with like Ivy as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, which probably why I loved it so much, right? Because yeah. it, it's the meme of you know he's, he might be out of line, but he's right, you know, so. Because uh, mm-hmm. at, at no point in this am I rooting against Ra's al Ghul. I'm like, yeah, you got to break a, a few eggs. To it's, uh, it's when he tells Bruce, it's like, hey, you set out to make sure that no, you know, no one has to suffer like you did. And and that's a that's a great goal. But maybe some of them you didn't need to be saved. Yeah, <laughs> well, like, and, maybe the world would have been better if some of them didn't. Well, yeah. and his whole, and this and this is where he, he edges towards the villainous part, is where he says no life's above the future. You know, so he's willing to sacrifice Damien Right, his his own blood, his one time heir, in order well, to enact this. That's plan. not entirely true because he doesn't admit afterwards that he like what? Bruce was right. Yeah, I wouldn't. Well, know, no, wouldn't he tells Damien that. Right. I don't. I, I don't. Uh, him. True. True. But... I, no, but this is what he's he's trying to to enact. Right? Is he's that's his that is a gamble. That's his bluff. Right? Is that no life is is worth the future? Does that so? The, that... the big thing in the book though is that he does actually kill mm-hmm. Batman. Right? When Batman <laughs> sh- shows up to try and stop him. Uh, he gets you know held down, and Raz stabs him and kills him. And at no point did I was like, I was like, he's not gonna kill, like he's not gonna stab Bruce. He's not that big sword. They're and, they're and, doing. And then the there's a sword through his chest. They, well, they do the whole Bruce and Raz, you know, sh- you know, famous shirtless sword fight. You know, where Bruce is in the cowl, and I was just like, oh, Bruce is gonna get out of this, and then Bruce doesn't get out of this, and I was like, oh my god, what is going on? Well, that's that's the thing. It's the whole the whole point of this is that it effectively takes Batman out of the game because 
it's not that hard to predict that he's probably going to get thrown in the Lazarus pit and come back. Mm-hmm. Although, this is not necessarily in continuity, so they could have just let him no. stay dead. Uh, it wouldn't have been out of the question. But when he comes back at the end, towards the end of the book, and Damien's like, hey, like, you know, it's been three months, and the whole idea is that Raz just kept him dead long enough to finish killing all the people that he wanted to kill. <laughs> Literally put Batman on ice. Yes. Yeah, it, it wasn't about killing him. It wasn't about taking no. him out. It was just a... Let's uh, let's put you on pause for a little Which, bit. Keep you out of the way. It's almost an interesting kind of admission by, and obviously Raz has always respected Batman. You know, he always calls yeah. him a de- detective and so on. But it's almost like an interesting thing where he's like, no, we still need him around. Like Batman still serves a a, a great purpose mm-hmm. in the world that is necessary, but he needs to be taken out for a while to like, so that what needs to be done is done because he will get and in that, the way. And, and to me, that's Raz. Not part of that bluff is that there's no life. You know, that's more valuable than the future, including Batman's. However, the fact that he brings him back kind of undermines that. He just needed him out, you know, to ensure the future that Roz knows that he needs. He's got to get rid of Batman. Yeah. Know? So, um, and and yeah, I just, I, I like that. And when, when Bruce wakes up and, and Damien just kind of just sitting there waiting, you know, I thought that was a real, a real like surreal moment. For the for a Batman book, yeah, I, I enjoyed the Damien inclusion in this. You know, Bruce making him promise not to kill anyone, never to take mm-hmm. a life, which Damien does. And mm-hmm. um, I, you know, it, it's just uh, the detective work of like going down to the boat where the, the rich guy was killed and mm-hmm. looking for crime. You know, the evidence in the crime scene and all that. Yeah, um, but, but all... he he was he was drowned in the pool, not in the ocean. You know, there was chlorine in his lungs. All that type of stuff. Yeah, just, there's a lot of fun little Batman-y scenes in this. Like, you know, it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. that it starts as a Raz story, and then it kind of transitions mm-hmm. to being the Batman story in the middle for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those scenes are all relatively enjoyable, yeah. and then it comes back around to, to being the confrontation. Yeah. And Raz making his big, grand, Birdemic-style speech about how uh, there's... <laughs> <Tip>. <laughs> how he's, he's swam through corrals that are now just, you know, dead ocean yeah. and... Uh, you know, all the, you know, he Stuff. he saw these rhinos stampede, and and now there's no rhinos to stampede. Yes, yes. you know. How, I also, I also, I'm just saying, him and Rod from Birdemic would get along very well. Pete, I'm not going to watch Birdemic. All right, you're not going to get me. I'm not trying to convince you to watch Birdemic. I'm just using a cultural touchstone of modern entertainment as a comparison point. Touchstone. Ay ay ay. Also, I I do love, and this is me speaking as a dog person, the fact that. You know, we get a, a, a you know a peek at Roz's humanity through this relationship he has with his pet wolf. That you know he that's a descendant of the type of wolves that saved him as a kid. And we you know, I'll just admit the last here. one almost by the way he's talking about it. Yeah, you know this is now an extinction, and this is what he's trying to prevent more of. You know, but you know the fact that Roz is the one that puts his pet wolf down, and just like I wasn't expecting this book to make me cry, but that's tom taylor it's like the uh the doctor's like hey look you know he's in pain we, we kind of wait for you because we figured right. you'd want to you know say goodbye yeah uh so when yeah. batman wakes up he goes to fight raz and this is where we get the shirtless uh sword fight yeah. uh the, the classic sort of fight uh, which ends with raz throwing himself off the mountain uh- <laughs> yeah. yeah wasn't expecting that either like you know uh death by the you know oh, it was also here's an out like here mm-hmm. yeah 
this this will solve the problem until I can come back. Yeah, right. and he wakes we'll, we'll up a little bit later. I think what does Talia say? Like a year, two years later, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and they're in China. They found a Lazarus pit, and this one's not surrounded by snow and ice. This one's surrounded by a lush forest. You know, it's yeah, yeah. So it ends with this nice. this happy thing where he's he's got a he's got a new puppy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got the, the, the sun cool. shining. He's in the yeah. jungle. And and because he knew his plan was going to be. It's so airtight that Batman can't undo it without making things worse. Well, that that was the interesting thing to me, yeah, yeah. is that, like, so when they're fighting, they're debating this, and Raz mm-hmm. al Ghul effectively says, if you have to tell the world how these people died, if you have to ruin the truth of that, or ruin the lie of that, I should say, mm-hmm. then that might undo everything, because all the people have been put in place, you know, it might be, be seen as corruption and all the rest of it, it might undo mm-hmm. all the good that this was going to achieve. The best you thing you can do for the world and people on the planet is to, you know, as much as you hate it, is to let the lie last and mm-hmm. let this you know, outcome last because it's actually yeah. going to do some good. And it boils down to the Bruce being like, "Hey, this kind of isn't about the world anymore. It's about you know, you know, Damien needs to see criminals get punished for what they do. Yeah. There has to be consequences." So Batman's right. basically saying, "I will not let it lie because you're still there to sort of be brought to justice," which is why he takes the out and kills himself. He's like, "Well, mm-hmm. if I'm dead." then you don't have to ruin the lie. And sure enough, he wakes up and Talia tells him, yeah, Batman never told the world. I, I, yeah, I respect that he, you know, he kind of sticks to his guns with a, hey, no life is above this, including his own. Because right? I don't know if he knows about this Lazarus pit. Because yeah. Talia's like, oh yeah, yeah, we found it. Like, they've been searching, yeah. obviously. It's taken two years. That, that implies there was no guarantee there was one that he could use. No. I mean, essentially, Roz wins. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say though, he probably assumes that Talia will do her best to find one. But he's obviously hoping for yeah. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Roz. I feel like Roz always feels like he's going to do this forever because there'll always be a Lazarus pit, right? Through through whatever. Uh, yeah, do, it do might what, take a while. Do you know what this is actually kind of reminiscent of in a, in a weird way? It's a little bit uh, end of Watchmen. It's a little bit yeah? uh, Rorschach l- letting the lie stay you know, kind of thing. Like, but he can't let it go. He has to tell the truth. It's obviously a, a one-to-one, but it's kind of similar in that Batman's put in this position where it's actually the, probably the good thing is to just let it go because it's better for the world. It's like, right. he, obviously he tried to stop it, but it's done now. He can't stop it. Yeah. The best thing he can do is it, nothing. make it worse, yeah. 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 Uh, so, Raz being dead at least removes the one thing he still had, that he was still kind of hinging on. So mm-hmm. he did just let let the the story go, uh, but it, yeah. it, it's an interesting dilemma for to to poke towards Batman, yeah. I think, in a story. And I guess yeah. that's why Raz people tend to like Raz as a villain because he does kind of provoke challenging ideas and narratives to Batman, where it you know makes him question like, you know, is it just you know it's, it's a bit more complex than just he should just kill the Joker and they wouldn't hurt any more it's people. Right. It's the same kind of thing that. Like okay, on a on a surface level, why people like uh, Thanos in the movies, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, overpopulation and you know, and, and under resourced. Obviously, that 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 boiled down to a weird problem of, oh, hang on, you can do anything. Why not double the resources instead of half well, the population? Right? Thanos still has a bloodlust. Yeah, because he's nuts. <laughs> right? Yeah, just double but the that, planets. That's fine. There yeah, you go. That, that makes I would say it makes him less interesting though than right. than Raz here, where it's it's a bit more. Uh, smaller in scope. Yeah, uh, well, there's no. It's just, it's just this one planet, right? He, he he can't literally just fix everything with a snap of his fingers. So like, there's like the problem when you introduce that mechanic to something is that all of a sudden, like it so takes. There, there are better solutions. Yeah, yeah. Whereas... You, you, 
I'm not saying there's not better solutions than what, what Raz is doing here, but at least he's trying something working within the system as opposed to just well, screw this yeah he's still killing people but it's not like uh, his terrorist attacks of the past this is a bit more like surgical precise yeah yeah surgical yeah. that's the word yeah um, see, you know they're obviously uh extra innocent casualties like you know, when he mm-hmm. blows up the building it's like well hang yeah. on like, like three thousand people died there to kill i think it was 11 but it's right. like hey gotta make sure that it looked you know plausible and, and not just yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. these people were targeted and it's it... And that, it's, it's when you, they just throw in little statements like that where you're like, okay, you can't blame Batman. At, at no point can you actually look at Batman and go, oh, you're in the wrong for trying to like bring him to justice because he did just murder, you know, even if you consider the one person he meant to kill as like a, a right. viable kill, that's still 2,999 people yeah. <laughs> that just died for, you know, like... Not, not for nothing, but yeah, yeah. people who didn't need to die. Yeah. So, um, so there is still that slight kind of yeah, evil tinge and to it. Why yeah. is he like, despite rooting for him, he's never not the villain. Yeah, you know. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely the Tom Taylor bringing like context and layers. I, yeah, to, I, I do think it's this. interesting that Tom Taylor's interpretation of the because basically all this was as a thesis was your story's called One Bad Day and then a villain's title, and we've seen mm-hmm. how all these different writers have interpreted that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, is it a bad day for Batman? Is it a bad day for the villain? You know, what right. is it? I like how he interpreted it as the villain wins, so it's a bad day for Batman, but it's actually quite yeah. a good day for Ras Al Ghul at the end of the story. But, but, right. But the, there's obviously, the, you have elements of the, the bad day for Raz in his kind of origin parts of this issue. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, like sure. That's, that's in there. Which, it, it, makes him, yeah. it makes him kind of hypocritical, though, because at one point in this story, he, he criticizes Batman and he says, you know, all you're trying to do, all you've ever been trying to do is try to stop two bullets that were fired, you know, 30 years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. But technically, all he's really trying to do is like put the world back to the way it was when he was attacked by a wolf and he's he's passed. You know, he's he's still trying to bring the world back to its you know glory of that that time period. So even he's still kind of ruled by this memory of well, when he was a child. Is it in that time period, or is it motivated by a fact that he's trying to just make it to where there there's you know not yeah. just that time period, but it's more pure. It's less. I, I, yeah, I, poisoned, because you know? I don't get the impression that he had that goal immediately in the same way that you, you often see with, with with Bruce or pretty quickly with Bruce. Oh sure, uh, no, all, all Raz, com- it's, it's over. All, over all, centuries, he sees the you know mm-hmm. the world kind of get destroyed. He's like, nah, screw this. All I'm comparing it to is this idea that he's haunted. Like he keeps uh, this memory yeah. keeps coming back yeah. to him every time he's it's, waking up. The same just, way that Bruce has always seen the perils fall to the ground. Memory, and and then you know at the end there, now that he won, that's not the memory anymore. As he's he's actually reborn right and that's that's also the wolf puppy right mm-hmm. is you know his mission is now different it is reborn you know so but yeah and so again leave it leave it to tom taylor to add new layers and context to this established you know everything we thought we knew about Roz, right he's added to him yeah so. no i mean i enjoyed it when i said i put it in the middle mm-hmm. i just meant it didn't it didn't it doesn't take down my yeah. my top two I, which, which which for me are easily riddler right. than clayface yeah, this this is up there with those with with me. But again, I'm biased. I love Roz in the way that I love Ivy. Is that any other circumstances they could be seen as a hero, right? But there's just that little twist to them that makes them the villain. And now, yeah. now in terms of of with Ivy, she's she's a straight up antihero, just like uh, Harley is now. You know, whereas Roz still has that edge, and Two Face still has that edge because he's another one that I throw in there that you know he you know Harvey Dent was a hero, 
So, I think um, Poison Ivy, like Harley, I think there's an argument that she's shifted over the years just because of popularity. I think Ivy's a little bit different in that when she was created, the idea of someone like being crazy about like the world and wanting to mm-hmm. protect it felt more just kind of wild. Whereas the more time's been on and the more climate change is more of an accepted thing, mm-hmm. the less, the harder it is to just look at her and go, villain. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's what, and that's what G, or that's what uh, Wilson is getting into, yeah. right? And in, in that book is, why is she a villain? Like, you know, she tries to be the big bad in that book and she just ends up saving people because that's ultimate her mission, I, right? So it's kind of the same thing that has happened with, with Raz as well. Like, especially mm-hmm. the more we see him take the kind of the ecological angle now. Mm-hmm. Um, like if, if you could buy even to like the, the Nolan movies, it was yeah. less ecological and more just humanity should be better. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, that one he is much more common with Thanos, right? That he's willing to destroy things to rebuild, you know. Yes. So he wants um, he wants the he, want, he, he, he wants to be God in that one. Essentially, he wants yeah, to flo- he, wants, he wants the flood and then right, start the a, flood and the fire and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. This, this is a lot more relatable. Even if you agree with his ideals, like the core idea of we can be better in in yeah. like, you know in that take of Raz, uh, his methods are clearly way too extreme. Whereas this here, it's it's a lot smaller of a sacrifice that he is making out of the population compared to those like entire cities, you know. Right. Well, because it, like like Pete said, it's surgical. It's yeah. I I don't mind him taking out the you know CEO of a major polluter, you know that that paid to cover things up. You know they yeah. they 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 made their choice. Ross made his choice, and he he won. You know he came out on top. So that that whole scene on the yacht also very very well done with the ninjas and mm. you know the league showing up. But and also I I feel like Ivan uh, Reese here you know has that kind of style where there's a gloss to it that I feel fits this kind of story. Um, it's you know? the really heavy inks as well that really mm-hmm. work. I think for, for for Raz especially and like you know when you see him like wearing his cape and like you know it, yeah. it really swells out. Well, yeah. And although the the shirtless sword fight too, that's so iconic. And with yeah. the with Reese's style here, it was it was good. Yeah, no, I again I expected to like this because of the creative team. I didn't expect it to go as hard as it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, elicit actual emotions out of me seeing you know Roz have the side of humanity that you don't see. Like this is a guy that goes out of his way to kill family members just to resurrect them to get his way, and yet him him being completely devastated by the loss of his dear pet. I wasn't expecting to read in a in a comic this week, so yeah. All right, Matt, what are you giving One Bad Day Razal Girl? I'm gonna give us an eight. Must have really liked the last two books. Eh? I feel like you were way more passionate about I, this I, one. I was gonna say, like, you, yeah. you, I, I'm shocked. All right, fine, I'll give it a nine. But that's not how this works, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> that's how this works. I just did it. <laughs> Connor, what are you giving? The book? Yeah, that, that threw me off because I was going to give it an eight point five, and I was like, "Like, yeah. sure, Matt was going to be higher than me because Matt's always higher than me." Yeah. And like, like, what, what just happened? I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> Rate it. <laughs> you did. I did. Yeah, eight point five. Oh, I thought you were still going to give a final rating because it sounded like you were going to maybe alter no, it no. based on what he said. No, no, no. I'm I'm not Matt. I don't alter it based on that. I know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with straight eight. Uh, I liked it. It was good. They studied Raz. You and... liked it the exact same amount of Matt, apparently. 
<laughs> I'll give it a nine. I don't know what you guys are talking about. A so. Um, all right, there you go. Uh, the Flash, seven nine five. Jeremy Adams writing with Roger Cruz, Fernando Pissarro, and George Cambadals on the art. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this is the penultimate issue of the One Minute War, and it's pretty much just about Barry getting the family together to make this assault to hopefully try and turn mm-hmm. back time to fix everything that they've done. Um, which basically amounts to overcharging their speed force pylon thing that they're <laughs> in order in order to do timey wimey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it made enough sense when he was explaining yeah. it to me. It, it... Oh no, I it made as much sense as any other t- flash time travel device has, you know, uh, before. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. In a way. Uh, also, I and this makes me feel like a bad fan. Because I've talked about how much I love Jesse Quick and Liberty Bell mm-hmm. and stuff. I never made the connection of the the ringing of the bell being a vibrational frequency. And that's how she's able to <laughs> access both. I don't know what that says about me. If I knew that and forgot it or just never thought about it. But reading Jeremy Adams explain that, it, it, a light bulb went off. And I was like, oh my god, this is great. I don't think it ever occurred to me before I read this issue that the Liberty okay. Bell had anything to do with Philadelphia's Liberty Bell. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think so. Oh, man. I just, I'd always thought just the Liberty Bell being, well, being a symbol of American, the Liberty Bell of an American thing. I don't think I'd ever even heard know? of the Liberty Bell until uh, the gang and It's Always Sunny uh, cracked it. Uh, I don't think I've got there yet. <laughs> <laughs> There's a weird flashback episode, but it's yeah. like their descendants or their ancestors. Oh, that's right. That's the right. Bell. I have seen that one. That is, yeah. yes. It's one I of the worst episodes of the show, unfortunately. Yeah. I thought it was funny, though. I, I, yeah, I don't remember. So funny that I forgot. Yeah, I don't remember um, loving the episode, but yeah. it was what came to um, mind when I think of Liberty Bell. But yeah, so just, you know, knowing knowing that I, I just love that, that Jesse Chambers can, you know, depending on what's needed, she can either access her mom's powers or her dad's powers. And, you know, that's such a Flash legacy thing uh, on top of it all. But just here, you know, him tying that to the Liberty Bell and the, you know, the vibrational frequencies and what she stands for, like the strength that's needed. I, I just loved all that. You could also skate in the Liberty Bell and Tony Hawk's 2, I want to say. Maybe 3. I think it was 2. I think it was 2. I think it's 2 because 2 is the ones I played the, the least amount and that, that doesn't ring a bell. So... Yeah, I think you can. I had to. I had to. You had to what? Say that it doesn't ring a bell. Oh, I wasn't even paying attention. To no <laughs> I was expecting the biggest groan, and when nothing came, I got worried. My eye froze. <laughs> I mean, you got Connor shaking his head, so I mean, that's a yeah. thing. Uh, so yeah, they all run up to the the, the Fraction's big uh, antenna thing, and uh, Liberty Bell cracks it open and they go in and the whole plan is to just overcharge it which will send all the speed force energy into overdrive and will oh Matt's left I wasn't even looking he's, just, he's walked out uh, it'll send it into overdrive and it'll reverse time the big emotional thing of the issue though is that so Irie thinks oh we're going to get dad back this will fix everything but there's a slight hitch on that is Barry doesn't actually think Wally will come back with everyone else he thinks it'll he thinks it'll fix everything. It'll bring Lynn, it'll bring Iris back. Sorry, it'll bring the world back. Everything that they've done will be reversed. But because Wally's a speedster and kind of exists outside of the usual rules, he may not come back along with them. So you have to Linda has to lie to Irie and sort of pretend that she's not upset and things like that. So that, that's kind of where the emotional side of the issue comes. 
Uh, you also get a little bit of Jay sneaking around the Fraction ship, uh, like John McClane with his big laser cannon, mm-hmm. which is entertaining enough. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, honestly, the pacing of this this uh, this story arc has been pretty solid, I think. Um, you know, all, all the, the fighting, it, it had some nice things to call back to, like uh, Miss Murder interacting with Irie again and mm-hmm. able to call back to those moments. I love that the the fraction also is like the Kryptonians are causing problems because they're they're processing speed differently. Mm-hmm. You know, like they didn't account for that. So like they they would be further along if they didn't have to account for the Kryptonians. So I, I did like that. Yeah, and it ends yeah. in a pretty rough place where it looks like Barry's losing and the team's mm-hmm. starting to lose. They're surrounded by tanks and like drones and things. And then the last page it just says elsewhere. And Wally wakes up somewhere else. Surprise! The Flash didn't die. He just went mm-hmm. somewhere because that's always seems to be what happens when a Flash looks mm-hmm. like they die. Uh, he's on a pl- he's on Flash Planet or Planet Flash. They call it Planet Flash, which used to be Time Point, which is a Time Masters like vanishing point. Yeah, type type place. Um, not not gonna like like I love Jeremy Adams as a writer. Mm-hmm. Right, I've loved this run. Being reminded of an event that I did not enjoy. Not, not good. I mean, I think it's more there than just a way to have Wally survive and come back. Because like, Wally's probably going to come back and save the day in the next issue, I assume. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but seeing characters that he, he is responsible for the death of from Heroes in Crisis pop, pop up and be reminded of that. Uh, <laughs> not, 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 not making me feel great. <laughs> so, but that said, um, a lot like Tom Taylor bringing in, you know, the concept of Rick Grayson into Nightwing. Really, really ballsy move on Adam's part, and I respect it. Um, <laughs> just in the moment, I, I winced, and I was like, oh, God, no, don't. Uh, when I saw that Blue Jay guy, and then I looked around, and I was like, oh, no. So whatever this place is, you know, again, I'm thinking that it, it has ties to, you know, Vanishing Point and, and all of that. Yeah, stuff, I, I didn't read this as, like, a physical planet in space. I read this no. as, like, something in the Speed Force or something. Right, yeah. a point in time that's, you know essential it's like a crux of uh, like a, a nexus of realities type deal. yeah so. uh so there was the artists on this issue i guess mm-hmm. they were struggling to keep everything on schedule um yeah. it has that problem that one of the other issues had i, I can't remember if it was a cru- i don't know if it was a cruise issue but maybe it was but yeah. the the weird looking like stretched out limbs in some of the panels yeah. where he's talking uh really stuck out as being kind of weird um mm-hmm. I wouldn't say most of it's bad necessarily, but it definitely hurts the flow that there's so many different it hurts artists the flow, on it. And it but it, it's also, each artist is handling their own part of the story, so there's never, like, crossover of, you know, mm. art on different stuff. So, like, I feel like all the Jay stuff was was one artist, you know, and, and the Barry uh, stuff was one artist, so. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not got- terrible, but not great. It's got a good build to the assault though, because it does that thing where they're all lining up to make their run, and then it flashes mm-hmm. back to like the plan being laid out, yeah. and then you see a little bit of the run, and then it comes back to the plan again. So it does this mm-hmm. thing where it makes it feel like a big deal because it's kind of revolving around it constantly and mm-hmm. uh, setting it up. So, yeah. uh, no, fun penultimate issue, and uh, I-, I like that you know Jesse got to have a little bit of a spotlight in this one, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was good. Uh, and also Wallace and Bart bickering with each other uh, in the background is just becoming one of the the running things yep. that this this run's doing. Yeah, because Barry or uh, Bart's talking about how you know while he's been running, he has swallowed bugs before, and so that that kind of is the idea of 
how they're going to attack the the, the uh, spire, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is because they can move, you know, because they're not moving at full speed. So, uh, and then you know, just Ace getting on him about that was very funny. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't have much more to add. I'm looking forward to the mm-hmm. final part of the, yeah. the story. Uh, yeah. Matt, we given Flash seven nine five. I'm in the say uh, seven point five. Yeah, I'm just going to go straight at 7. It's, it's a fine issue, yeah. but, you know, it'd be nice to have a consistent yeah. artist on it. Uh, but decent penultimate uh, arc issue, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, Batman Superman World's Finest Issue 13. Mark Wade writing Dan Mora back on the art for this issue. Uh, mm-hmm. So, very nice. Um, we have... We basically get the origin of Metamorpho in this issue, yeah. which, was a, which was a nice little, uh, you know, story to get again yeah good connor it's kind of one of my problems with the issue is that it feels like we're doing a metamorphosis story and we take like his five pages on the origin again well, so for this book right and it's kind of in this like time period where it's set in the past you know and me and pete have talked about the silver aginess of it all and that's where mm-hmm. we the fact that these are kind of backdoor secret origins i'm not mad at Right. Yeah, you know, I kind like of he's... enjoyed it because it, it did the body horror part of it where he, like, he literally, yeah. Superman literally says he wanted to kill himself but couldn't kill the body because of the right. new powers that he had. And yeah. that's dark as shit. So, like, instead of the what Secret Origins kind of used to do, they give you an issue of, you know, this is a, a metamorpho issue, and then you get the last couple pages as the origin at the back. Yeah. I, I like that they're just in the middle as part of the story. And, and if this is what this book's kind of going to be, this is kind of the identity that we'll get a metamorpho arc or we'll get a, you know, whatever the next is I mean, be. It, 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 I'm okay with that. It was nice and that, you know, it was setting up, so the big mystery is that Simon Staggs turned up dead, poisoned, mm-hmm. and the number one suspect is metamorpho because right. he's kind of got a motive. He's always had a motive. Yeah. <laughs> sucks. Right. That's yeah. his motive. So, uh, you know, going back and doing the backstory of him and like explaining, yeah, he didn't like him. He tried to have him killed and it ended up with this accident and he ended up turning into this... Like, all of that just sort of painted, like, Stag as a character, you know, because, and to be fair, I think a lot of people who read this might not know Stag that well. They might not know no. Metamorpho that well. They're not big characters. I, see, I don't dispute that, but, and and I, I can appreciate, you know, shining a spotlight on those characters. I think my problem is, this is every Metamorpho story, right? This is every basic Metamorpho story is, oh, hey, he's got beef with Stag. Hey, we we hey, didn't hey. get that in uh, Danger Street. That's true. No, no, no. But like this is this is like the the core most basic metamorpho story. Yeah, this well, is it's the kinda, it's, it's I've the even seen problem. like even right. even though that's been like adapted into multiple cartoons, is exactly this story where Stag's dead and Metamorpho's the the suspect. And I'm like, okay, I've I've seen this. It's 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 not doing it badly, but I, I've seen exactly this story multiple times already. I haven't. <laughs> Me neither. So Man, I, you guys are crazy. No, I not not that the stag's dead part. I mean, I, I oh, that was um the stag, stag more dead one was in. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was in Beware the Bat or Beware the Batman, whatever that one okay. was called. Yeah, yeah that, that honestly, kind of like three yeah. animated I one. Well, I haven't seen that. Stag being dead and Metamorpho, like them looking for Metamorpho because he mm-hmm. might be the, the main suspect, is felt quite fresh to me because I've never seen that yeah. side of it. it me, me too. Yeah. But but I I can agree with Connor on that. It's like kind of the cyborg problem of. We always get Cyborg's origin in whatever story they're doing, you know, and that's kind of tired at this point. However, I got to see Dan Mora draw body horror stuff on Metamorpho, so I'm not that upset. Yeah, that stuff was great. That stuff's great. 
uh, I, I liked how dark that was, and then the running thing of like Jimmy trying to be a reporter and like Clark's mm-hmm. giving him advice and how to like follow things up, and it kind of like, just goes on in the background until it leads up to the actual cliffhanger, which is that his evidence has led people to believe that Bruce Wayne's responsible. So the big the big cliffhanger page is that Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne's arrested for the murder of Simon Stagg. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I thought that was fun. Uh, well, and also Wade Wade telling us too how petty of a person that Simon Stagg is, is that he went out of his way to cost uh, Bruce millions of dollars just because Bruce beat him at tennis. I mean, given the fact that Bruce is secretly Batman and Simon Stagg looks overweight, I'm not surprised that Bruce <laughs> beat him yeah. at a sport. <laughs> no, me neither. But that's the, the mentality that they're dealing with. So again, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a ploy by Stag to get Bruce into trouble. Yeah, you know, uh, there's lots of little things here. Like you know, like Clark's at the crime scene with Jimmy, and he he just looks up and notices Batman and Robin like going out of the window. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, I better find an excuse and rush off because I need to go talk to them." Yeah. Uh, just little moments like that, I I kind of appreciate. Um, mm-hmm. And Metamorpho, that's the first stuff. I I love Dan Moore as Batman, you know, with the blue cape. Yeah. Uh, just some and extra panels too, in here. because. Who's ever coloring this is doing it in that style. So the 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 gray suit with the blue cape really pops with mm-hmm. with uh, Robin's green green yellow red. So uh, it just looks really really nice. And then to Metamorpho too with his color scheme, um, everything just again it's that silver yeah. agey vibrance. I also I like to so. build up to the last page because it's like Clark's sees the, the the story and he's like uh, this can't be true because obviously he knows Bruce is Batman. Why? Uh, uh-huh. but you can't give them a reason like Perry's like well if you can't give us a reason or evidence why then we have to run it yeah because journalism's all about truth it's not opinion I love that I love that it goes from Clark giving Jimmy tips on how to be a reporter to Jimmy telling him what it means to be a journalist I thought that was a fun little uh, turn so uh, I'm not sure where it's going and who they're, who's trying to set up Bruce yeah. and who, who actually kills if Stag's even really dead which I still yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. not probably not yeah uh, with, with yeah with Java also throwing them out too when he throws out Clark right and, or does he throw out Jimmy was it Jimmy? he throws out Jimmy that's right yeah you know, it's, it's definitely the most interesting part of the issue for me is mm-hmm. that ending of oh, okay there's there's a mystery yeah. to it going forward yeah yeah I, I like the idea as well that Clark's caught in this hard place because he, he like because he knows it's not true, but he can't really argue with Perry. So, you know, he can't yeah, so write the story anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, just had a thought, right? Because there's there's a a line that Java says that he calls Jimmy Olsen an outsider, right? Uh, and all of that. And I feel like that's a red herring because I feel like this is a locked room mystery, and and now you're you're taking the world's greatest detective out of it, which can only mean one thing, and you have to bring a elongated man in. So. Uh, give give me Dan Moore elongated man with Mark Wade, please. I thought I, I thought, thought Matt was gonna have a theory there, but it ended up just being like a a, a wish for yeah, elongated yeah, man. Did they mention elongated man at the end of the date issue? I think they did, right? Didn't they? They said something about Gingold. Gingold. Uh, maybe yeah. I. Actually, uh, there's a little scene at the start which I quite liked with Batgirl and Supergirl, where they're basically mm-hmm. just giving them shit, like what you believe, Mixie yeah. and whoever yeah. we're, 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 we're us. That might. Yeah. Um, and I just, I like, I think it's Jimmy who's like sort of beating himself after. That's what you said to Batgirl. Like, yeah. he said that. You had one chance to talk yeah. to Batgirl and you said this. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, we can all relate. I enjoyed that as a fun lead into the, the story. I think uh, this book's really just comfort food, uh, honestly, most of the yeah. time to me. It's just really pulpy. It's, it, it, 
The, the, the art's obviously gorgeous, the colours, Dan Moore's line work, mm-hmm. but it, it, it it's just, you know, I feel like we're getting a metamorpho story because Mark Wade wanted to write a metamorpho story. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's becoming something else because now there's uh, this mystery element. And it makes me wonder if there's a shapeshifter involved, you know, and maybe like, maybe Bruce Wayne was caught in camera or something or, yeah. or whatever. Maybe. Or, I think for me, this book, it's like, it's really hit or miss. Like when it hits, it, it really does hit, and I'm like, oh yeah, I love this book. Did Did you enjoy the um the what was his name Pete the kid David David yeah um no no okay of course but it didn't. Then, like, that didn't yeah, it was fine but I, I didn't really enjoy reading the kid Cause, cause know, that's why I asked because if it if it hit or miss because I I enjoyed that aspect of it no but then what like, that led to you know like the uh, like that date issue I thought was absolutely fantastic yeah. So okay. it's it's like it, it's really you know like all over for me. I don't know. I never know how I'm going to feel going into an issue, other than most of the time I'm going to have gorgeous Dan Moore art. Yeah, right. Dan Moore, John, all your favorite characters. What's, yeah, what's not to love? yeah. That, that's always something to to enjoy out of this book, no matter what. Yeah. No, I uh, I really enjoyed this issue. I I think the I think it was juggling like multiple things really well. It was juggling getting the 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 cool backstory for Metamorpho, and I thought a, a fun way. I thought it was juggling the Jimmy stuff in the background, building to the cliffhanger. But then it was also juggling just the actual investigation of Batman and Superman, kind of like working around the people that mm-hmm. they're there around. You know, Clark working around Jimmy, uh, mm-hmm. the, the Bat duo flying to Metropolis, and all. Like, I thought it was juggling all those things kind of effortlessly, and it felt like a living, breathing world. I just, I felt easy to be wrapped up in and just sort of enjoy what was going on, uh, which. Yeah. It's almost like something that's hard to like define, but there's just like it's a feeling I don't get with a lot of other comic books that don't necessarily feel as tightly sort of like interwoven with all of its characters. Uh, maybe it's just a skill that Wade has that not all writers do, but uh, that's what I feel when I'm reading one of these books. So, uh, okay, all right, Matt, what are you rating uh, World's Finest issue thirteen? Uh, I'm gonna give us an eight. Connor, uh, seven from me. Yeah, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with 8.5 on this one. So, uh, very good. All right. Mm-hmm. Deceased, War of the Undead Gods, issue 7. Tom Taylor writing with Trevor Hirstein and Lucas Meyer. And you have Dark Side's crack? <laughs> well, Dark... There's a lot, of, a lot of different cracks in this one. That man is rough. Yeah. And he needs to moisturize. Dark Side is uh, obviously pissed. I mean, I feel like this particular Deceased miniseries has really lived and died by it's insane they're doing this like last pages you know last time yeah. it was alfred becoming uh, the new specter yeah. and we've had other moments like that throughout and then this issue just to you know, get straight to what it builds up to it ends with dark side seemingly becoming an ally of all the heroes because now he's pissed oh. that this force <laughs> overtook him and and made him a puppet dark yeah. side is no one's puppet yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, also lobo the, the, the what leads to Darkseid getting the cure is Lobo forcing his fist down with the cure <laughs> to, his mouth, yeah. Yeah. to his mouth and breaking his own arm off. So uh, just Tom Taylor just having a completely wild time uh, on this one. It's it's so like again this is another a wild issue for me where I really like a lot of the beats that it's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that ending, all for it. Especially as this felt like it was like the final issue. Right yeah. up until like, up until like that last like two pages, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, oh yeah, the book's done. And it it like, feels oh, yeah, it feels issue. like they're curing everyone, and it feels like the last issue is more about going after the the source of the the virus yeah, than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but also I think I actually felt really cold reading it. Like, I think it's the the Alfred Specter narration as, as it's going through. It comes off really dry, and it it, it feels like I've, I'm, he's narrating these events, and I can just feel like oh he's narrating these things, and it kind of takes away a little bit of the it's the cool factor. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So, but uh. No, 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 yeah, I, I get where you're coming from on that. Just a little bit, a little bit feels... stiff, almost, in terms of, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, here's Ooh. what happened. It's, just, like, when... it's just a retelling of the story, but without any pizzazz to it. Right, because when we get the, the stuff that happens to Damien, it's not that big of a shock, you know? Yeah. You know, it, the, to me, the shock is that, that Alfred, as the Spectre, left and went and personally, like, delivers the cure, like, physically. Like, he doesn't, you know, use the Spectre's magic. He just, you know... That, I feel, was a bigger shock than anything with Damien. Um, you know, so I, I get where you're coming from on, on that coldness. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been having fun with this miniseries. I don't think this miniseries is probably the weakest of all the minis that have been part of this. Yeah. Just, and I think it's not because the quality is necessarily any lesser. It's just because... Because we're building up to the actual ending now, because it feels like, okay, we're building mm-hmm. up to an ending where they went and they saved the day. And, like, the first deceased also had that narration, but it had this kind of, like tone to it because it was like oh this was the world before it ended right and it felt like we didn't know where it was going and like how dark it was going to get whereas here it kind of feels like we're building up to just you know the good guys by and large are going to win and it's going to be a typical ending it might be as well they're just we're kind of a little bit used to it like in that first in that first it was really stark to have that narration it felt different whereas now i'm like okay i'm kind of maybe a little bit immune to just that feeling that it's trying to portray when when like you say it feels like it's getting towards a good ending so to speak mm-hmm. yeah i mean i'm still having fun with it i still think all of the weird ways mm-hmm. that taylor's mashing up different you know things in the dc universe you know whether mm-hmm. it's alpha Spectre or you know yellow lantern uh, yeah. Dark side. yellow yeah, and dark well, side or you know uh black adam Cy- infused cassandra kane or whatever it may be you know yeah. or you know cyborg brainiac cyborg brainiac is what the one that, we get in this that issue one, yeah. that was a so when we see brainiac come so you know, John engages Darkseid, right? Because he's coming for, for the whole world. And uh, this is before or after he takes the shot from War World. No, that's before, before because because that's that's, that puts him out. Like, he's down yeah, when he takes that blast right. from War World. Because yeah. his dad catches him, that's right. So he goes after Darkseid, and he's he's getting overpowered by zombie Darkseid. And then Brainiac comes and, you know, you know saves, saves John, or, or at least takes Darkseid's attention away. Uh, and then, you know, Brainiac goes, and then I'm like, oh man, is this virus about to get supercharged? Yeah, Brainiac just dies. But, uh, uh, and then Cyborg effectively fights back and takes over yeah. Brainiac's ship and all of his, like, uh-huh. you know, network. And right. basically says, oh, I've got an idea. And his idea ends up being uh, getting Kandor and just resizing everyone. So mm-hmm. literally the, 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 the backup, the, the, the cavalry, mm-hmm. two-thirds out of this issue is a thousand yeah. Kryptonians. <laughs> Hey, the people of that, that'll help. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and then he becomes like the new Brainiac. But it feels like, whereas Brainiac was this collector, it feels like a cyborg version of Brainiac is like an actual living. Yeah, you know, there was I, actually I say, as opposed to a, as opposed to a collector, that's the word I go with is a curator. Yeah, there you go. Well, there was a nice uh, little touch here that kind of came... Because Cyborg, of course, was kind of the epicenter of the entire thing mm-hmm. back in the first series. And it mm-hmm. kind of brings this up here that he's kind of redeeming himself, like, at least in his own way. Because yeah. literally, the virus or whatever was about to destroy all these bottled cities. So Cyborg right. basically just stopped genocide from happening by saving right. all these bottles. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so it's kind of like him getting to have this kind of redemptive, like, full circle yeah. kind of thing. It's very, very, very nice. But yeah, Connor, that's a good... He's a curator, not a collector. Like, he's... He's kind of overseeing it and kind of mm -hmm. looking after it, but he's not adding to the collection. He's not, you know, stealing right. from other cultures. He's not destroying right. planets just so he can bottle one city. Right. Yeah, he's, yeah, right. he's not doing that anymore. Right. So, uh, it's <laughs> a nice evolution of Cyborg, too. Like, it was a nice, like... I Sometimes when you mix up those characters, you know, you smash up the characters, it can... It can lead to like, okay, this is what we're doing. It, it just felt like a logical step here. So, yeah. And it led to that redemptive, uh, redemptive plot, too. So, yeah. I think the only other critique I'd have about this this particular miniseries versus the others is that so much of it has just felt like big battles in some of the issues, whereas I don't think yeah. that earlier miniseries felt that way. Uh, there's, there's a little bit less heart in this one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's just by its nature of going bigger again, because now it's cosmic, now it's yeah. new gods, now it's all the big, like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, have, like you say, it was more know, personal before. It was more about yeah. the individual characters, now, and that's now kind of went away a little bit. Yeah, now they're actually fighting entropy, right? Just as a concept. That's what Erebos is. So, you know. Um, and, and yeah, it does feel kind of colder, but then it's not as personal. And, and it's obviously not bad. Uh, by, by no means no. I'm saying this is a bad issue. It's still a mostly fun mini that mm -hmm. doesn't live up to the legacy of the of the deceased name, I would say, overall. Mm -hmm. But you know, I mean, it does a little bit on the title of War of Undead Gods, though. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's still good. It's, it's just not as special as either the first many are, and certainly not as uh, unkillables, which I think is the, the peak of the entire oh, thing. Oh, so yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Tree Shrimp for Life. Uh, <laughs> tree Shrimp for Life. Uh, but no, it's still good. I'm still excited to see how this wraps up and, like, the idea of Dark Side work. Like, what are the odds you think on Dark Side say Dark Side is before he punches Entropy in the face? Or maybe beaming it in the face with his Omega Beams? Whatever the it's, method what, of punishment you, you is. You say Dark Side is, or if it'll be like some slight twist life on is. that. Yeah, life, life is. is. I feel it's on Dark Side to say that, though, because he's all anti life. Yeah, but he's he's been reborn. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's, a, he's a new man. Well, and no one uses him as a. I, that's what I love, too. I feel like this. Is, he's going to have that. Like, one of my all time favorite comic moments is. It's from, uh, it's from an Ultron book from the 90s, right? Or one of the, the Avengers books. And it's Thor, and he's all battle damaged. And uh, he's a Captain America, and he he looks at Ultron and says, we'll have words with thee. And I always felt like they missed that in Age of Ultron. I feel like Darkseid having one of those moments, you know, as he looks Erebos in the face, I feel it could make for a big one. I mean, it could just be as simple as Darkseid is no puppet. Darkseid is. Uh -huh. yeah. Darkseid is no one's puppet. Yeah. Well, no, because that, that's just a sentence. It's like, yeah. You have to end it with Darkseid is, otherwise it doesn't have the, yeah. the impact of the phrase Darkseid is. You can't just, say, you can't just say Darkseid is, hung is hungry and go... Ah, there you go. They've put Darcy does in. It doesn't work. Maybe, maybe if he wasn't as hungry, he would be, you know, craving anti-life so much. Well, if he wasn't hungry, then he just be is. Right. True. Yes. All uh, right. Can't wait for the uh, porn power. The Darcy does horny. No, uh, no, thank you. No, thank you. Again, that, that man needs some. Exist. That man needs some moisturize. Okay. No, thank you. <laughs> That's your objection to Darkseid having his way with you, is that he needs to moisturize because he's too cra craggly. Yes. Come on, man. Friction. All right. So if he was... 
if he oiled up, you'd be all for it. That's fine. I'm not saying yes or no. I'm just saying fine. If you like, see it, Matt. See it. You're like, dark side is. Dark side is. There's there's ways to go about that joke that I'm not going to go down. <laughs> uh, and everyone at home, you're thank you're very welcome for that image that I have just put in yes, your head. Thank yeah, you. Uh, everyone wanted. Yeah. Uh, all right. What are we rating to see more of the undead gods? Matt, go. Um, I'm going to say straight seven. Connor, as is customary, I will be a uh, a little bit lower and give it a six. I am happy to give it the seven. Uh, much like Matt. So, there you go. Alright, GCPD, The Blue Wall, issue 6, the final issue, in fact. John Ridley writing with Stefano Raphael on the art. So, uh, it kind of worked out neatly that Connor was here for this last issue, because uh, you were here for, not last issue, but the one before that, where the big yeah. the big reveal was Ortega. Uh, yeah, I think I did, like, the first one or two. Maybe the first one. I definitely did issue 4, and then at least one of the ones before that. Hmm. So this was, uh, obviously, there's a manhunt for him, the police all want him, and it very much becomes this kind of discussion of, like, the police just want to kill him, right? Most of the people in the force just want him dead. Doesn't matter what the order is, you know, you see him, you shoot on sight. But that kind of yeah. becomes the order, and it's kind of this thing that Montoya's... And at some point, Montoya kind of goes along with. Yeah, Matoya kind of agrees to give me that the official order, and... Well, the, the unofficial order, at the very least. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. So she, it kind of comes this, this this thing she's struggling with where by killing him, it doesn't justify anything he's done, but it's just kind of adding credence to the, like, the, the accusations, the manifesto, like, all, all the things that he was saying about the department. Might martyr him a little bit. Yeah, turn him into a martyr. Um, so she wants to try and take him in alive, and that's something both of his friends do. Although, in a nice little turn... Uh, both of his friends are at least in some way culpable for like tracking him down, you know, because one turns him in for seeing him, the other one has the phone and turns it into her, yeah, you know. So it's it's really building up this idea of uh, this moral and ethical dilemma, and it's this series ultimately is looking at Montoya as a character and like the the you know the guy's own father kind of brings this up to her and accuses her of like you just want to turn him into like a, a hollow shell of himself like you who lets everything happen to you, you know. Um, acknowledging that she must have some of the same his- of the same history that he did, she must have been, you know, a victim of racism. She must have been put down. Obviously, she's we, we've seen that anyway, but she acknowledges in this in yeah. the series that she, you know, she struggled. You know, she wanted to, you know, get to the top to change things. That was kind of, you know, part of her plan. And uh, here it is, kind of just same old, same old. Yeah, and you know, the, the ultimate ending of it, where she does make sure he gets taken in alive. She convinces him that maybe he'll do more good if people listen to him. Although, of course, the media don't see it that way because they just want to... Because like, there's actually a chance that she might be seen as uh, like someone who should step down because she like go, you know goes on the press and says, hey, we failed. We, we, you know, he was a victim of a lot of these things, blah, blah, blah. Um, the, the other cop she's talking to even is worried that this might turn like the public against a lot of the department because of like what he went through. But the media is like, oh, that's not like shiny enough. Like it's more simple to just say, oh, Montoya's this hero who was able to bring him in and talk him down, and you know, she's this great police commissioner. So it's kind of like pointing at some of the hypocrisy, and it just you know it ends with this final moment where Montoya kind of says she's a survivor, and that everything is learning, everything is like trying to like figure things out, and 
you know, she got through what she got through when she was younger, and she's tried to do things and make things better in some ways when she got to the top, but fell victim to not helping in a lot of ways as well. Um, and it's kind of this idea that, you know, she she can't hold herself responsible for what happened, but ultimately she, you know... Should do better. Yeah. So it, 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 yeah. It's, it's this really interesting just kind of look at trauma whereas you get to the end of the story and you're kind of like you don't blame Montoya for it but it's almost this idea that oh yeah but there's also some culpability here and some it is I think in some ways this is probably the least interesting issue because it ends kind of the way it has to end Mm. right it it has to end with Montoya kind of coming to terms with that figuring out how she's going to go forward kind of making that that peaceful resolution you know and, and kind of going against all the rest of the cops, going against the system herself and kind of trying to, you know, provide change from the top down. So it ends, you know, it's all well done. It's all really well done. It's just a little bit less interesting than some of the previous issues where it was these real explorations of these horrific moments or, you know, to to various characters. Yeah, I I think one detail that I really liked in here is uh, one of the other cops says, you know, the six people are dead. Shouldn't we, you know, maybe turned on the signal. Gordon would have turned on the signal by now. And Montoya has an interesting little line where she says, you know, maybe if Gordon hadn't leaned so much on Batman, we would, uh, like, we'd be doing, we, we could handle the real bad, like, right now. And then it sort of ties up with another line she has later where, you know, Ortega's not going to have a nickname. You know, he's, you know, he's way more dangerous. And specifically even says, you know, a kid with an AR-15 is more dangerous than a clown or a, a penguin. And obviously, in the context of the, the comic universe that's not entirely true because we've seen some of the horrific shit jokers done to people but i get why that line's there it's, it's trying to like almost be a meta bit of commentary it, it's it's as well tomorrow like there's there's still this everyday kind of terror that is out there for people mm. that even when the supervillains aren't doing their shit every other two weeks like there, there's still like you know there's, there's, there's a kid with a machine gun shooting someone and they need to be able to stop that without batman yeah and I think it's also the idea is that this character was created out of these normal things. There's this normal abuse happening to him in the system. This is, you know, obviously, again, you're kind of like divorcing it from just regular comic book, like, logic a little bit. But, you know, he was not created in Batman's world. Yes, we're in Gotham City, sure. But he was not created in Batman's world. You know, he was not dropped into a, a, a vat of acid. He was not... It's, it's- very important that batman just doesn't appear in yeah. this comic that, this is this is meant to be a, a story about a very real problem with a, a person that could exist that is dealing with a very real serious subject and the idea that no we don't call in batman to fix that because in the real world we don't have a batman to fix you know a mass shooter we don't have a batman to fix um yeah someone who's turned into an extremist because they're uh, put through hell by their their you know and it's entirely possible to take it yeah mentally maybe he had some problems already but the fact that like he it, was radicalized further by the, the yeah. system that kind of like saying they crushed him. Yeah, because um, it's not like his father's the best influence on him either. Like you know, no, but also his father never, you know, shot a bunch of people. That is as, also as far true. As we know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he didn't. Uh, yeah, um, I'm willing to say he didn't. So you know, it, it, I think that's kind of like why we'd never see Batman come into it. And well, I'm not saying that it wouldn't be interesting to have like in the same way that you 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 know sometimes we do Superman stories where. Oh, Superman will actually go talk to someone who's trying to commit suicide. It'll, you know, it'll sort of like go away from the big theatrical villains and stuff and do Superman a very real moment. I think having Batman 
address like a more like realistic mass shooter with like his own beliefs and that could be a challenging thing to write and maybe it could say some really nice things uh anyone could tackle that it probably would be ridley yeah yeah uh but i think in the purpose of this story though it wasn't wasn't about that it wasn't about using batman to say something about this it was about just trying to explore the ideas on their own i mean if if we you know let's say editorial mandate mandate we had to have batman here at some point the most i would have wanted would have been just batman coming to montoya i mean like hey how you know how are you handling at the this? end you know, yeah do, do you need help and then montoya being like no we need to deal with this on our own essentially yeah yeah um like basically that conversation she has i think it's in this issue of like hey yeah maybe maybe if we didn't always rely on batman yeah we'd, we'd have been able to help this better you could kind of do that scene of her saying that to batman you could also kind of read that as like uh like remove that she's literally saying batman and just sort of read it as a like we're always too happy to just sort of distract ourselves with uh fantastical to ignore mm-hmm. the real problems and maybe that's kind of like what that is kind of poking at is that yeah we'll forget that atrocities happen and just go back to caring about like our, our tweets and our uh yeah. you know frivolous things in life that aren't actually really that important but we'll distract ourselves with them in the same way that the you know and and the in the universe here, the police department will just hand, pull their hands up and say, let Batman deal with it. You know, Batman almost has become this crutch for this department. And, you know, which is kind of funny given, you know, how Batman's origin is typically treated now is that, you know, he's there to solve the fact that the police are useless and are corrupt. Uh, but now it's, oh, is, is it a bit circular in that by him existing, he's made the police worse? Yeah, because they don't well, have to try. Yeah, they're just... Maybe less corrupt, but more indifferent, less passionate. Yeah, perhaps. complacent. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is an interesting thing to consider and look at, and um, it, it got me thinking as well because she's specifically saying she specifically says Gordon, you know, rely too much on Batman, and it, but then I think about you know that that was Gordon's way of like going outside the system because he felt like you know if you read Year One, the whole point of Gordon turning to Batman was like he's getting nothing done. He's he's being seen as like a as a cop that all the other cops hate because he's too good because he'll he'll you know because yeah. he he won't be dirty like them he he may actually try and you know and, not rat on them but bring them to justice kind of thing yeah i think this is where montoya goes that this that was kind of gordon's problem is that instead of trying to change and fix the system once he got to the top he just went outside the system and kind of looked for a different solution yeah and these are interesting topics to bring up they're not really valid criticisms in the sense that you know th- these stories are written in the context of there being superhero stories and whatnot and mm-hmm. they, they operate in their own logic so it's not entirely fair to then sort of bring in real world logic in the story and whatever but i get why the comparison's being made here like i don't think that any, any of this is like an actual critique of how those stories are written or or no i don't know. think it's i don't i don't think ridley's going hey all these sh- stories are shit because they've all done that it's no. more just a this is this is his metaphor yeah that, that he's using to to make this point yeah which, and why not? Which just goes back again to the idea that this is why Batman's kept out of this is because this is supposed to be not like a super Batman-y like set in yeah. Gotham City story. It is set in Gotham City, but it's it's more about real things uh, instead. So and I think I think as that goes, I think it's been a great little miniseries. I think you know it took like three issues setting up its characters and just been kind of this sort of like slice of life of like the problems they deal with. Okay. But then that that escalation when Ortega started killing people was. I think that, you know issues four and five are some of the best issues in a while, like best single issues of anything in a while. They hit so hard. Yeah, really good um, stuff. 
and obviously, you know, like I said, the first three kind of set up all the core cast. This last one is the conclusion. But those, you know, those issues four and five were where everything just kind of goes down. And I think those two issues are phenomenal. Yeah, Blue Wall is definitely well worth reading. It, it's... Uh... Yeah. And I, I, this will make a really nice trade. I think mm-hmm. this has this has bookshelf legs. I, I yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I think challenging stories like this that are actually trying to, you know, talk about tough subjects, which is partly why the ending has to kind of, like, be careful and, like, how it wraps up its story. Because um, you can't just offer a, a, an easy solution because not one doesn't exist, so... And, and there isn't one. There's there's maybe a an idea of okay, well, we can work towards something better, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not everything fixed right away. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. What are you rating Blue Wall issue six? Uh, I think I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it an eight. Um, but you know, as a series, as a whole, uh, you know, as an individual issue, but as a cap to the series, it was more of a nine. If that makes sense. Sure, I'll go eight point five. But like, it's been a, it was a very good series. That you know, I, I was hoping it would be good when it started, but like, I didn't know what to expect from it. And then it's like, okay, I'm kind of into this. And then it kind of did that thing where it turned up its everything at the end yep. of issue four, uh, or the end of issue three, whatever, whatever the issue ended with the oh shit, he's like a he's killing people now. Yeah, uh, that that was like a really big, big game changing moment. So, uh, yeah, cool. All right, Swamp Thing, Green Hell, Issue 3, Jeff Lemire writing with Doug Mankey on the art. So this did not take almost two years to come out after Issue 2, I'm happy to say. Uh, nope. Uh, <sighs> Just, uh, I think it was like a year and a half between the first two issues, right? So, so, something like that, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, clearly, clearly, obviously, it's something catastrophic happened that delayed it. Uh, it's it's interesting, because I'm sure I've, both of these two... Lemire and Mankey, respectively, have been working on other things in the meantime, right? Uh, Do you think Lemire? Lemire has I mean, Lemire has, all the time. Lemire definitely has. Yeah, but Lemire, writer, he's, writers he's always... done other stuff in the last year, right? I mean, writers always have like multiple things going, and Lemire's yeah. no different. Uh, if anything, yeah. you have to assume it's more on Mankey's side that, for whatever yeah. reason, this had to be pushed so long. Maybe maybe it was like a contractual thing where, oh shit, he's obligated to do something else and he can't push it, so... Maybe, yeah. You know, they, they have to wait on this or something. I don't know. Uh, but the big thing last issue was the way to see Maxine, or Constantine went to see Maxine, uh, Animal Woman, as she's now known as, uh, to try and get some backup for Swamp Thing because we got the green and the red uh, with the raw attacking the world with all the monsters. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this issue is that, you know, those, those fights, it's Swamp Thing struggling, mm-hmm. barely surviving, uh, you know, seeing uh, Teffy's little girl, but it's really the... The girl who's on the island that's been in the story, right. uh, all that stuff, um, and just some gorgeous art when things really go down because it's all about convincing Maxine to show up and help, which she does. Mm-hmm. But that's not his his only plan. He's got one last hail Mary, and that's to basically make a new deal with the demon that he did all his soul to, and be like, like I'll finally give it to you, <laughs> but you have to like, yeah. you have to yeah. superpower swamp thing. You have to give him all your power so that he can uh. Win, win the fight. Uh, just loving that the demon first tells him no because you're Constantine and I know you got to trick up your sleeve. <laughs> that was, again, someone that hasn't read a lot of Constantine, but from what I know, that might be the most, you know, spot on description of, of Constantine that not even the devil will make a deal with him. 
Yeah, um, it makes a lot of sense that Constantine ultimately will sacrifice himself to save the world because mm-hmm. he's—it's just—it's the fitting end for him. Uh, yeah. But it does work, and it's super chargey Swamp Thing. It goes from being yeah. the skinny version of Swamp Thing to being this monstrosity uh, version of Swamp Thing, which tells a lot about me, right? You know, like I love like Bigfoot and and like big hairy monsters, you know. So the fact that this this emaciated skeletal Swamp Thing creeps me out more than almost anything else in this book. Right, it just looks wrong. Yeah. It gives me the creeps. You know? the, so, but then once obviously the demon gives gives him his power, it's the opposite it where he's like some, yeah, yeah. He's, he's super huge and all the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, and also, I love the double page spread when Maxine like shows up to help fight as well. Yeah. You know, they they went super animalistic <clears throat> with the uh, you know the the power of the red. Yeah, she 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 almost looks like Cheetah without the mm-hmm. the the prince. Uh, yeah, here. like yeah. The the more she uses the powers, the more bestial she appears. Yeah, right. Which is a nice touch. Also, I don't know if we brought this up before, but I shouldn't have been surprised that this is essentially Lemire finishing his the whole Rot World story. Yeah, I mean, I think we said that yeah. last time when. Um, okay. Yeah, because like, the idea of him bringing in the red, because he's talking about the yeah. green and he's bringing in an Animal Man character to sort of wrap mm-hmm. that side of things up. Yeah, it, it very much is mm-hmm. kind of like. A, well, it, it's basically his. Um, uh, what's that? When Bendis came back and did that one Daredevil story, uh, yeah, the end. No, it wasn't called the, wasn't end. the end. It was like no. What was that? Um, um, it's really good. <laughs> I, I think everyone, we all know the story. Yeah, we all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like issue mini, right? Yeah, so yeah, he, came, he, came, he came back years after he did his run and uh-huh. did this mini that sort of was like, End of days. End of days. So it's, it's like, you know, or the Dark Knight Returns for Batman. It's, it's meant yeah. to be this kind of capper to come back and like do the end of Swamp mm-hmm. Thing, the end of Alec Holland. I think this yeah. this one's slightly more interesting than either of those. Not that I'm saying those two are no, it's, bad books. Or anything, this, is, it's, this is an ending to a specific story yeah, as opposed to all of Swamp Thing. Sure. Well, and that, that's what I mean. So, like, it, they're playing with the ideas, like, where the the whole crux of during during Snyder's Swamp Thing and Lemire's Animal Man is that the parliaments have kind of gotten out of control. They've lost their touch to humanity. And here is that endgame. Like, what, what does the Earth look like when they finally are just like, no, we're done with humans. Like, we don't we don't want it at all. And, you know, but humanity has that spark. Like, what where's that compassion and hope come from? And, of course... It's this little girl that believes. Yeah, in, you I mean, yeah. obviously, this this boils up to the point where after they win the fight, they go back to their respective like you know red and green and like mm-hmm. kill the parliaments and be like, no, yeah. you're starting again. Like we're done with this yeah. shit. And you know? Uh, you know, the ending being the little girl, like you know, so the the old guy with the golf club like comes to save her from one of the great looking monsters. The monsters. Uh, it looks yeah. great. It's this purple, pinky, like blobby thing. Spidery, lobstery yeah. thing. Uh, mm-hmm. but. He dies, so they actually like they have his golf club sticking out of his grave at the. Air. I thought that was really funny. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, she like you know she touches the grave and like you know the green and the flowers like yeah. blossom from it, and it's like well, oh shit, she's got you know swamp thing powers or something. She's like yeah, well, and and to me, I, I read that as you know the parliaments are gone now, and that the 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 green and the red are now you know uh, amongst the people. It's where they belong, right? Is um. Could be. It's I, more I, of like a return to nature. I got maybe it was uh, like Alec Holland was kind of, you know, as as the last bastion of the green without the parliament, mm-hmm. so to speak. He gave her like, power, yeah. He gave it to yeah. her. Yeah. I, I took it as that as well. And it, it kind of makes sense <laughs> that she can help rebuild some of the earth by actually literally giving it life and be like, hey, right. here's, you know, 
yeah. uh, life can flourish now again. So, yeah. you know, I liked all that stuff. I liked, you know, the monsters have always looked great ever since they started showing up in issue one of this. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the fighting looks great as well. Um, I, I think inherently this issue is probably the least, like, tantalizing one because it's just finishing everything off. Like, there's some great mm-hmm. ideas in here. You know, Constantine, like, sacrificing himself. That's a really great idea. All, all the stuff, all of that back and forth between him, him and Deadman was cracking me up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the the first issue was so good. I think probably my best of the three, just because it was introducing all these ideas, and you had the evil swamp thing that the Parliament said. So, it was a little yeah. bit unexpected as well. Yeah, right? like yeah. We didn't know well, yeah. what that was going to be going yeah. in. There was a sense of dread and you know ominousness going and then, on to, and then it know. was nearly two years of building that up in your mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For yep. the next issue, uh, but no, I mean that. Oh, too, and then that, and the way the. I was gonna say that two-page spread right. where Swamp Thing is like supercharged right after the powers come up through the earth, and he's, you know, and he, he looks like I don't even know. He looks like a kaiju. He's like kaiju Swamp Thing, like taking yeah. on all these monsters. Yeah. Yes, please give me that book too. <laughs> right? Kaiju Swamp Thing. It's very, it's very Absolutely. colorful because they're all different colors. Like he's green. There's like flames behind him, which is orange and yeah. yellow, and then around like all the other monsters are all like purples and yellows and like dark blues. blues yeah. Yeah. An explosion. I mean, it's like a uh, color explosion. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a gorgeous book. Like, like when Matt Shelley and Darkseid is, and there's a colorful explosion at the end of that. This is a this is this is this is what a Darkseid jizz shot looks like. <laughs> oh, good lord! Uh, um, I was going to say something nice about the book, and now I'm not. So, how do, how do we say anything after that? You can't. Oh, I was going to talk about Doug Doug Minky being the perfect artist for this because, like, when you. When I think back to his Green Lantern core stuff, and well, he know, he did a lot of uh, he, just on the colorful aspect. He you know he did all the different cores back in those yeah. those days, you know. This was say, yeah, but he also does like the shadowy, creepy stuff. Yeah, like, the creatures here, and I just remember his his drawing of Crib from Green Lantern, just you know, yeah. a complete monstrosity. Point so. out here as well, there's uh, you know, David Barron uh, is the colorist mm-hmm. doing. Yeah a lot of the heavy lifting in, you know, in mm-hmm. those elements specifically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I loved even just the, the panels of, uh, when they're traveling down to their parliaments to, like, destroy them, there's these, like, panels of, like, it's like, so there's one for one for Swamp Thing and one for Maxine, mm-hmm. and it's basically just like they're flying through lightning, but, you know, green lightning for Swamp Thing, and it's, like, red lightning right. for, uh, mm-hmm. for her. Um, I mean, maybe it's, like, it looks like lightning, maybe you could argue it's actually Roots, or like yeah. or blood veins yeah. and vessels for her because it's the red. Either way, yeah. art, art is killing it. We, we obviously, obviously, Sean Mull uh, is a co-artist on this. I don't know mm-hmm. how much the country. I don't know what the the split is here. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not ent- entirely sure because it, it, it looks like manky most of the time. Like I didn't notice yeah. any big shifts. I, yeah, I didn't notice switching between artists. I don't know. I don't know if it's a case of maybe they were kind of finishing, finishing off some artist. of the pencil. Yeah, yeah like if manky's mm-hmm. doing the pencils and and. Credit in it that way instead of an inker, perhaps. Well, because yeah, Mickey usually uh, also him and Gleason both ink their own work usually, so maybe maybe it was just to help out there too. And, and if it is just straight up fill in on some pages, yeah, then they've done a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. Of oh yeah, because kind of I can't, I can't looking, see it at all. Because I cannot like tell you, oh, you know, this page is this ice and that page is another one. Right. Yeah, so, I agree. Um, yeah, huge credit for that. Uh yeah, I think it's really good. Obviously, the the happy ending for Swamp Things, he gets to go back to his like you know green afterlife with uh yeah with uh Abby and Teffy. So 
Right. You know, he gets his happy ending. Maxine presumably just still alive. Uh, where she but was as, as the red, yeah, yeah, as a member of the red, that makes sense. You know, that's the living parliament. So I also like how they kind of dismiss the rot. They're like, the rot's nothing without us. They'll follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll behave. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it was so. kind of a kind of like eh, we did all that once before with Brot World. Yeah, don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, it was right. basically like you know, like they need. And it's the same argument that Constantine kind of gives the demon. It's like, hey, if the world mm-hmm. survives and that's still a pipeline for more souls, like, yeah, yeah, you you kind of win either way. Yeah. yeah. So the rot's the same. The rot needs life to be there in the first right. place, so that there can be something to rot. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it it makes some some amount of sense, but it was really good. Like, you know, as much as I'm saying the like neither issue two or three was as amazing as the first issue. That's not to like put it down or not say that this is a great big you know. 150 page story ultimately all when it's all put yeah. together yeah, give or take this will probably be the same length ish as your average six issue trade mm-hmm. yeah probably just a little bit over yeah, yeah um, that's what I said give or take yeah so yeah, but still make between, a great again another great trade for, for DC's bookshop this and Ram V's I, I need to go and read the Alan Moore something finally like just cause I feel like that's a gap that I have and now I have, you know, the end of this story. It's, it's very much the the foundation for what a lot of modern Swamp Thing writers like. They've clearly yeah. all read that run, and they're clearly pulling yeah, yeah, from yeah. it and using that you as know. their as their like, basis. And the inclusion of Tefe here, in you know, in the same like, way that I mean, Batman's obviously more widespread, but like every modern yeah, but, Batman writer has read your one. They just right. have, like, yeah. <laughs> the watch. Does it want to tell me to go and read your one? Yeah, basically. <laughs> so. Uh, cyborg Brainiacs coming through Matt Matt's watch. It, it is the curator. Uh, uh, Matt, you've got one response from Tinder, but it's not Dark Side. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's Grinder, sir. <laughs> you can Africa New God on Twitter. On Yo, Twitter, Dark on Side was only on Grinder. Like that. That's how Dark Side. All right. Is. All right. Yes. All right. I don't make Matt's thought about this. No, yeah. I, I only thought of that joke because uh, so Megan came out uh, in January, yes. right? And there's a, a moment where it's the it's the actress from Get Out who's in it, and mm-hmm. she comes home and her you know Google Home or Alexa whatever it is is like you have five new matches on Tinder, and all, all I could think in my head is like I bet it's like five black men that you're waiting to lure back to your evil parents. Oh boy, yeah, I don't know she's she's forever going to be. Like not yeah. ruined because it's just a character, but you know, like just yeah, no. I'm always going to associate her with that character. Of, of course, I mean she's so bigoted that she won't let her cereal and milk mix. <laughs> so that was always a little Jordan Peele tag on that character that killed me. So you know, maybe she doesn't like the cereal going soft. Yeah, but it's the way that she was eating it, where she had the milk and she had the the cereal in the bag, and she would not let them mix. So she like she would eat the cereal and then drink the milk. I do that with bran flakes because they're horrible when they go soggy. Yeah, yeah. You can just not eat them. But they're healthy. There's other cereal you could have Pete, that tastes good that you don't have to worry about getting soggy. But they all go soggy in milk. That's how it works. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, eat quicker. True. Or, or, here's the real trick. Do smaller bowls and then do a second one. Yeah. And then you get to feel like you're eating. It doesn't matter. They they go soggy instantly. I like them crunchy, okay? Uh, does he Captain Crunch? It do- doesn't go soggy. It just tears the shit out of your mouth. Yeah, it's also full of sugar, which I'm also trying to avoid. 
for pardon me for trying to have a healthy heart here. All right. <laughs> yeah, I I, I get you. Frosted mini wheats also exist. That that combine, you know, the sweet with the you know yeah, exactly. You enough just said fiber, enough fiber to give you problems. You just said frosted though. You said fro like I'm trying to avoid yeah, the extra sugar. That, that, that's how that's. Look, Pete. I'm just saying for breakfast, you can go two ways. You can go bran flakes, or you can go fruity pebbles with marshmallows, like I did this morning. Um, or you just do do the middle, right? There's there's a middle path. Do right. you guys like stick to one cereal? Because I like jump around all over. Like, Sometimes I, I've had lately, a box of everything. Uh, uh, lately, so my my main go to is fruity pebbles. Uh, the older I get, that's the one I like the most. But <laughs> in trying to be healthy, in trying to be healthier. Right, I, I was eating a lot of oatmeal and I got tired of it, so I switched to frosted mini wheats. And despite having a little bit more sugar than my oatmeal, I've actually lost weight eating a bowl of frosted mini wheats. You know? Yeah. yeah see, so. like I, I like. So, I, like last time I bought honey Cheerios, mm -hmm. and this time mm -hmm. I've got, uh, like a shredded wheat, but like with blueberries in. Oh, that's good. Um, like before the honey Cheerios, I had Special K, but the the, the red berry ones. It's like it's like brown flakes with, with fruit in it. It's like yeah. you you, 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 well, you got to mix it every time you buy a box of cereal. When, it's got to be. You brought up the honey Cheerios. I really thought you were gonna go with like the apple cinnamon Cheerios <laughs> and then the frosted Cheerios, and that's your variety. <laughs> like you're still eating Cheerios, but they're just different I only flavors. Really, I only really like the honey Cheerios and the regular ones. Yeah. And I don't really yeah. eat regular ones that often because yeah, no, there there are better things point. out there. Yeah. yeah. If I'm gonna get but boring it, cereal, I'll just get yeah. you know. Damn, you know, I was gonna go get a burger, but I might just have cereal for dinner now. You know? Oh, I gotta get some cereal. Yeah. Kinda yeah. Sounds pretty good. But Pete, you could you can have a little bit of sugar. I mean, I don't know how much other sugar no, you're man, eating. Man, that's the, the point. I have plenty of sugar elsewhere in my diet. I, I have decided to not have any of it in breakfast. Oh man. It's simple, right? I, I eat plenty of other junk. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, but at least get like like the special K ones where it's like you got you got some fruit in it. You know right? what? Yeah, like I, mix it up I'm still bit. gonna go get a burger, but then I'm gonna go get a concrete from from CJ's frozen custard with cereal in it. So it's like oh, I'm having cereal. Oh, custard is disgusting. I, no, no, no. I, I would like to take that, but custard and cereal. So yeah, it's it's fro it's frozen custard, so it's more like an ice what? cream, right? It's more like a soft serve no. type deal, right? And so you get the vanilla, and then you no. get no, no, cereal no, no. in it. No, no, no. Yeah. You people do things wrong. It's not actual custard. It's just the egg, the 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 egg and, and fat content in it makes it not ice cream, right? It's basically ice cream. It's just called frozen custard, for whatever reason. The Midwest is weird. I don't know what to tell you guys. All right, this is this has went off the rails, and all, yes. all just because I have a simple enough healthy breakfast every day. No. What happened was you brought up a Tinder joke from Megan, which led us to get out. Which led us <laughs> yeah, to this, is, this was all your I was ready to move on quite quickly, but then it became a let's let's attack Peter for his, his uh, breakfast choice. I'm his not attacking. I'm just trying to help you that you don't have to have bran flakes by themselves. That's all. Like just trying to get you to enjoy cereal a little bit. I've enjoyed cereal in the past. I don't need to enjoy cereal anymore. It's fine. I can enjoy my other yeah. two meals in the day. Yeah, you can enjoy every guys, meal of the day. No, I can't. Just, no, 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 no. That's the... Hey, hey, viewers, listeners, friends, just you know, send Pete a box of of Lucky Charms just marshmallows. I, I don't like marshmallows, Matt. I'm not gonna like them. What? Then do it doubly, guys. Send him two boxes. <laughs> I don't, I don't like marshmallows, so I'm not gonna like cereal with marshmallows in it. No, it's not cereal with marshmallows. It's just the marshmallows from cereal. All right. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm definitely not gonna like it. Okay. All right. Let's get to going. I'm hungry now. <laughs>
It comes with those two Patreon books, so we're going to be here for another three hours. Well, that's all that's left. I mean, did we read this book yet? I don't know, Connor. You're very thorough because Patreon. You know, you give the people what they pay for. I don't think so. it actually goes that long. It just feels like an attorney. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, that. I was going to say something else, but I'm not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save the sanctity of friendships. Mm-hmm. That's also what Matt says about Dark Side. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it doesn't take that long, but it feels like an attorney. <laughs> There's a reason why he craves the anti life. Uh. <laughs> All right, Matt, rate Swamp Thing, Green Hell. And also, uh, good, gonna... good luck to David uh, editing also, that tangent and out of that Swamp Thing discussion. Is, is, uh, is the fact that he's anti life, is that the reason why he's only on Grinder? Yes. Yeah, I know Rusty getting you, pregnant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, this has got off the rails. Uh, so, what did you rate something about? Uh, eight point five. Eight point five, Connor. Uh, yeah, I'll go with eight point five as well. I, I will also concur with the eight point five. Yes. Boom! Jackpot. All, all around. Um. All right, Connor. There's some Patreon books. Everyone to Patreon.com/slash/MailFoodsTV. You can make myself a Connor read a book at one of the higher tiers, and Connor, when he's on the show once every three months, may uh get around to them. So. <laughs> First hey, up, <laughs> I, I might be back again soon. Who knows? Tim Drake, Robin, issue five. Yeah, yeah. Tim Drake is a is a book they are making. Thank, <laughs> thankfully, not for that much longer. Cause... Oh man. Yeah. Um, it is. It is not good. And I say that when Rosmo only does about six pages of this book. Wow. Yeah. He That's... he does he does the start and the end. I think. Yeah. He does not do all of it. The uh, the other artist is. Let me find a credits page with a name. There's not gonna be one. Never mind. Is it Rosmo esque or is it completely different? Uh, it's. I don't know if it's just the colors that Kill are making March. it silly. It's, it's not. Goes <laughs> from rarely Rosmo to Gillen March. Uh, I might just kill myself. Uh... <laughs> Talking about anti-life. Talking about anti-life. <laughs> uh, no, it's um, Ricardo Lopez Ortiz mm. is the is the other okay. artist, and it is significantly better. It's still like not my favorite art, but it's not as hyper stylized with all the round heads and everything. They are reasonably regular shaped heads. It's still like really flat on the colors though, which is it's just to keep it consistent, but it still makes it feel like the same book which normally is a good thing but in this case i would really have liked it if you know three quarters of this book felt different um yeah let me just sum this up by telling you why this book is bad this issue features tim drake vomiting on a shark to win (laughs) yeah that's that's Mm -hmm. the actual solution poor tim uh shark repellent batman yeah (laughs) Yeah. because the uh, the villain who has been found. So you know he's been since the start of this book, sending all the clues and like the, the various murder mysteries, kind of like the classic ones, has been referenced. Uh, basically, pretends to be to be Bernard, dresses up. You know he's he's kidnapped him. Obviously, that was kind of where where it last left last issue. Um, and tries to play it off as it, it has been him the whole time, but you know it's it's this other guy from the marina called. James, who I do not remember what you know at all, but I guess he was there in the background at some point. Uh, but yeah, he, he's he's got stuff going on, and he's like created all these 
things like he did, you know, did before, like all the different animals. And um, but you know, there's there's a a sign of like salt, like, you know, this alchemy sign, the salt. That's like, oh, okay, so that's what they're made of. That's their weak, you know. So the weakness is acid. So Tim just has to run around finding different sources of acid to throw on the different things. So he gets like some like acidic paint. Uh, it gets like, yeah, I think there's like lemon juice at one point. And then it gets to the last one. And it's this shark that's just coming towards him over the land. It's like shape-shifting into the shark. And it's coming towards him. I don't know how. Don't don't ask. I, I guess there are like legs on the underneath of this shark that's like pushing it along, like, along the floor. And he's like, all right, I guess this is the last one. And then sticks his fingers down his throat and throws up on the shark. And, and then and then and then stands there and goes, "You're no match for me. I I I, I was trained by Batman." <laughs> did Batman teach him that technique? Did he? <laughs> <laughs> word for word, his is, "Is you're no match for me. I may not have been raised by Batman, but I was trained by him." Like, on a shark. That that, that he, what? He, because Batman throwing up. Mm. Pretty much, and it, yeah, like it's so bad. I don't understand. Like, how did this book get here? Like, how are they doing this to Tim? Should have called this uh, issue two dark sides, one cup. We're done here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do I got for that. <laughs> So, um, yeah, like the art for the most part is better than every other issue of this book because it's mostly not Rosmo, but it's not the best art either, but it, you know, it's better. So significant positive there. However, the writing is amongst the worst that this book has had. And I've not been over the moon, the writing anyway, I've been kind of not into it for the most part, liked maybe a thing here or there, but yeah, no, this one, this one's where it really lost me on the writing as well. Like. I'm completely out on that. There's, there's, even even when you give me most of this book with a different artist, it is still irredeemable and one of the worst issues of the book yet. I can't believe I've got to read more of this shit. <laughs> it's it's so bad. It's um. This is a, this is like a solid three out of ten. No, no. Well, I'm, I'm gonna give it a two. I I hated this issue. I really did. Okay. His voice is Tim. All right, uh, that'll take Connor on to his other Patreon book, which is Undiscovered Country, issue 21. Yeah, so uh, we're still in this arc where we're in, you know, the, the latest world, we're jumping around in time. We've got two sets of characters. One are kind of in this future where they have kind of caused World War Three. They're with like a resistance group who kind of thinks they're the good guys for starting it because the US kind of, the U.S. basically took over everywhere, and they're the resistance now. Uh, the U.S. is literally a global empire. There is no free country left. There are only, you know, pockets of resistance within those countries. Uh, and they are in, you know, they got a base in what I think is meant to be um, Chernobyl, because they talk about being oh yeah the the, the famous forbidden city. You know, there's a sign saying you know no entry radiation. But it's harder to tell because everything's gone. Like, it's a literal hole in the ground. 
uh, you know, they, they talk about anything that couldn't be kind of Americanized, they just obliterate, which is why, again, I'm assuming this is terrible because, you know, you're in, you know, Ukraine, you know, that region. It's not America, clearly, so it had to be, you know, converted. Um, so they're, they're running there with uh, Pavel, who was in, like, the first arc and kind of died in the Destiny Man arc, which is why I, I, I don't believe any of this is happening. Like, it, it, like I don't know. I, I'm not entirely sure where some of this is going. It's not bad, but it, it feels not aimless because it, it definitely has a direction, but it's really not letting the audience in on what that direction is right now. And it's making it a little bit harder to get attached to some of this stuff because it's it's the first arc of this book without that clear direction, that clear goal of, okay, this is what the characters are working towards, how they get through the next zone. Uh, this one, with this side of the, the story anyway, it kind of just feels like they're being bounced around a little bit and they're kind of just going through the motions. You know, they're just following the story and it's it's hard to see how they're breaking free. Uh, on the other side, you've got uh, you got Val, and they're, you know they're trying to they they're it they're uh, it ended last time with them being on Pearl Harbor. You know they're, they're there on the day of the attack, and they're like shit. We got to get out of here. And when they start mentioning the attack, some uh, some soldiers are like, "What attack? Wait, you guys are spies?" So they're having to like fly away on their drone, and they're kind of. It's very like uh, Mary Poppins esque is the the way it's drawn, like on the umbrella, like but you know, but they're holding onto the drone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks great, right? you know, the way the way it kind of really colorful, you know, like really flat colors that suits like the time period. Uh, looks great, and they they kind of they do find Sam uh, for them, and they're like, right, okay, let's let's go further forward. Give give us a hand. As the bombs are dropping, they they. Teleport, and they, they think, okay, where now? We've got to move further forward again. Because they went forward about 150 years from the previous one. And nope, they are in the middle of the Civil War. Uh, and that's kind of where, where they're stuck. Uh, so that'll be uh, their, their stuff next issue is, like, okay, try and move forward again. And are they going to keep their, their side? There's a lot less of it in this issue, but it feels like it has more agency. You, you know, their plot is, it's literally just, Realize they're in Pearl Harbor, try and escape. Bombs are coming down, so they get Sam to kind of send them to the next time period. But at least it feels like there's agency in in what our characters are doing, as mm-hmm. opposed to just kind of being bounced around. Um, and then you're just the uh, the ending tag is just um, the other plot line. It's kind of showing a uh, Pavel kind of coming out to rule the world and kind of taking down the American Empire. Uh, it, it's seemingly a little bit further in that future than what we were seeing. That, or it's supposed to be uh, just him making a show, like you know, liking him to someone like like Putin or you know, like Kim, kind of making that that kind of stand of like, hey, you know, we we can make this showcase and we 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 can we can take on the world when they probably can't. Mm-hmm. And I'm. Without a little bit more context, I'm not sure which direction this is going in just yet uh, for this final scene. because It's harder to tell because we've been bouncing around in time period so much on mm-hmm. this arc. Uh, but either way, I think will be a, an interesting direction uh, for that, and I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see where that goes. And again, I really just want to know... I, I, I want our characters to have a bit more agency in this plot and what they're doing, because that's that's the, the, the real problem with this arc right now. Um, art's great. We've got two artists on it, uh, Cam and Coley, and I 
think it was uh, Grassy, yeah, who, who's kind of been, they've both been working on the book. Uh, it's it's split up pretty neatly here. You know, uh, one artist tackles one set of characters, the other does the other set, uh, which makes it feel like it's, it still feels really cohesive because obviously we're jumping in different time periods, different settings, having different artists for those does not feel jarring at all. And then you've got Matt Wilson on colors, kind of just tying it all together and making it still feel like it's part of the same book. Uh, so from an art perspective, I have absolutely nothing to complain about. Um, but overall, yeah, it's uh, a little bit of a weaker arc, I would say. Um, I enjoyed the last issue more. I think that's probably because in hindsight, looking back at it after this one, uh, that issue featured more of the Val plot where, they, where there's that more agency. Uh, so I'm hoping next time we can focus more on that again so I can get a, a more enjoyable issue because I've kind of felt a bit back and forth so far on this arc. Uh, but yeah, still, still hoping for the book overall though. Just, just this, this, uh, mm-hmm. it's not just this arc, it's this specific plot that I'm not really digging. Uh, so I'll give this issue probably a 6.5. All right. Well, that'll take out the part of the show. We pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite R and top five books. So Matt, what was your panel slash moment of the week? All right, so there was uh, some from the Ra's al Ghul. I mean, I'm always kind of love the, you know, sword fighting between uh, Ra's and Bruce. Um, and then uh, Superman had some cool stuff with the, uh, the parasite zombies. But uh, who, who, am, who am I if not a self-parody? So it's, it's Liberty Bell showing up in Flash. So okay. that was just a, just a fun moment. All right, Connor? Uh, I'm going to go from from the Ra's al Ghul. There's that, that two-page splash where he's talking about, you know, uh, the things he's seen, you know, the, the desert, mm-hmm. that beca- you know, the jungle that became mm-hmm. the desert, you know, the, mm-hmm. and it's specifically, I think it's the one in the middle of that page where it's uh, like the animals that were, you know, hunted mm-hmm. to extinction, right, essentially. Uh, I think it just, it just really what that book was doing and, uh, and looked gorgeous to boot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um... I'm a little conflicted because I've got a lot of sort of similar, you know, levels of things that I'm thinking about. Um, I think I might go with uh, pr- probably just the atmospheric stuff from Superman, which was uh, him like an Daily Planet and stuff, like just kind of mm-hmm. that page and kind of the, the mood and the the tone of that. Uh, maybe stuck out to me the most more than anything else this week. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, mm-hmm. cover of the week uh, having a quick look earlier on um, there's a, a decent flash variant by David Nakayama mm-hmm. um, where it's just him running there's kind of a nice colourful variant by Christian Ward and World's Finest that's quite nice uh, I do like the regular Superman cover uh, but I think I'm probably going to go, even though I don't care about this movie that it's imagining. But the one, the the cover of deceased that's imagining, I think, Purple Rain. With it's ba- Purple Rain. Yeah, with Batman on the bike. Uh, it's a nice cover by uh, Ben Oliver. It just the colors, the shadows, it was great. It's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wet ground effect, all of it just looks really stunning. So I don't care about that movie. I've never seen it, but this this cover just looks really nice. So I'm going with that, Connor. Yeah, I'm torn between uh, two variants. The the Nightwing Jamal Campbell one. Because, I mean, every single one of those has been pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I really like the uh, the Bill Sienkiewicz, um variant for Ra's al Ghul. Where it's like the, the two of them kind of 
split down the middle with the world on fire. Yeah, I might go with that. I think it's just it's a little bit different. And it's 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 a really neat that it's not this perfect split down the middle. It's mm-hmm. like it's like three quarters of their faces that, that you see, as opposed to just, you know, straight down the middle like normal. It gives it this more of a, a mirror reflection kind of at odds feel. All right, Matt. Um, so I really like the Trevor Moore Nightwing uh, variant just because it's kind of light. It's all got all the Titans like at a ice cream shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the regular World's Finest. Uh, it's got Batman and Superman running right, going one direction, and then Metamorpho going the other with the different backgrounds. Um, but there's a Redondo variant for Razagul that looks like an old pulp like cover for for a book. And it's it's red in uh oh, it's it's yellow and then black and red and it's not split down the middle like the one Connor's talking about but it's got like Roz's face split down the middle and then Batman on the other side it's just it's really striking uh and kind of it reminds me of like when Roz Al Ghul first came around it definitely and, feels like that could be like a cover from like the 40s yep. or 50s yep yep so that that's gonna be my pick the Redondo Roz Al Ghul all right uh all right best art of the week Connor. Oh, that's tough. There is some good art this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably have to give it... I'll probably give it to Green Hill, I think. I think that book just nails it, but it could have been Adam Reese for Brazil. It could have been Dan Mora quite easily. Yeah. I mean, Jamal Campbell for Superman. Like, yeah, it's, it's a good week for art. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it to Mora. I think obviously Mankey was great on Green Hill and there's some great pages in there but I think as a whole I was just kind of in love with almost every page of uh, World's Finest so I'm going to go with that Matt? Uh, Did no one shout out Nightwing? I'll I'll shout out Nightwing but uh, Dan Mora there's there's Mm. Dan Mora's in the contest I have to Uh, Mickey was strong too he has brought up everything else I'd I'd be lying if I say part of my choice for Mankey wasn't that well, I'm gonna have another damn more issue next month. True. <laughs> yes, yes. You're you're worried that you're snubbing something, uh, or not worried you're snubbing something because you can give it the award next time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. That's not, no no one's ever done that before, right? Um. All right. So <laughs> Scorsese would like to have a talk with you. Ranking the top five books of the week, then Matt, on you go. All right. So uh, number one for me is gonna be uh, One Bad Day, Ra's Al Ghul. Uh. Two's going to be Superman. No, two's going to be Green Hell. Three, Superman. Four, World's Finest. Five, Nightwing. All right. Connor? Uh, so, Ra's al Ghul. And then I think... Hmm, Blue Wall and then Green Hell. But those two are so close. Like, like they could be the way around. Uh... After that is Nightwing in four, and then yeah, probably probably Superman uh, for, for the fifth spot. Yeah, I think uh, my number one is probably Blue Wall, and then number two is Swamp Thing, Green Hell. Number three is Nightwing. Number four is One Bad Day. Number five is Superman. Tells you a lot about the difference between us. You know, when, mm-hmm. when me and Matt both had one bad day at the number one spot, and it's all the way down at four for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, just just the way it kind of works out. But I mean, 
I also enjoyed Flash and enjoyed uh, Deceased, so there was, yeah. no, there was nothing this no, week. I mean, I'd say, I'd say it was like a good week, because you were not negative on, on one bad day, just yeah, honestly, no. not, not quite as, as positive as me and Matt, but not negative by any means. Yeah, no, I had no negative books this week. Everything was, was at least good, so. Yeah. Uh, good week. Uh, so I'll tell you what's coming next week, and we'll see if that looks uh, similar. Uh, so next week from DC Comics, we've got Detective Comics 1070. We have Action Comics 1053. Um, oh, wait, I'm getting Marvel books here. Hold on, let me fill her. <laughs> we've got Dark Knights of Steel issue 10. I don't even remember when issue 9 came out, but uh, it's it's coming. It's been a minute. Yeah. I feel like, Matt, has it not been like every issue? The la- Ever since like issue 6, I feel like every issue yeah. has been... The last issue came out on January 3rd. So two months. Two months. Yeah. I, feel, but I feel like there's been a few like two month gaps like that. Like I feel like yeah. there's been a few in a row of like that. But yeah, issue eight was November first. So yeah, it's been every two months pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's felt. I felt it. Uh, I was so. going to say issue seven. It jumped back to June seventh. But I feel like there was an issue in between, like one of the one shot. It was a, yeah, it was a one shot. Yeah, in between. Yeah, and that's not included in this series that I'm just jumping back through. Um, anyway, so we also got Harley Quinn 28, we got Gotham City Year 1 Issue 6, Tim Drake Robin Issue 7, that's for Connor, uh, Unstoppable Doom Patrol Issue 1, looking forward to that, Lazarus Planet Revenge of the Gods Issue 2, Stargirl The Lost Children Issue 5, Punchline The Gotham Game Issue 6, Batman Gotham Knights Gilded City Issue 6, uh, I can't believe the uh, tie-in to the video game of that still just 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 almost. I, I kind of forgot that game existed. Yeah. I nearly uh, bought it. Uh, well, it was in a humble bundle that I nearly went. Ah, oh, yeah. Hey, compared to what Suicide Squad looks like, it's not looking too bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Is that Man Savage? Looks like cover? it. Looks like it. Yeah. Blue Beetle graduation day, graduation day issue five is out next week. As is Sandman Universe Dead by Dead Boy Detectives issue four, and uh, Waller versus Wildstorm issue one. And if you happen to be so inclined, DC Ruby issue two. So, um, not as meaty a week, but I am looking forward to Doom Patrol issue one. Uh, and Gotham City year one six. See how it all shakes out. Yeah, the final issue of that. Yeah, we'll see how that yeah, goes. More, yeah. more detective and action comics for both. Yeah, you know, really solid books right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see how they uh, wrap up. But that'll pretty much bring an end to the show. And uh, that'll bring an episode into episode 349. Uh, in typical Connor fashion, he's here for 349, but not here for the relative milestone of 350. Uh, hey, we don't know that yet. We'll see. We'll see. Place your bets, everyone. Place your bets. Uh, <laughs> Depending on what it is, if it's a bunch of no place bets, uh, Pete's heading down there with a. With a lead pipe. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Of course, uh, you can support the content, all the shows, and everything we do, but especially this show over at Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV and uh, help keep it coming. You get early access at the five dollar tier uh, sometime on the Saturday, whenever it's done, before it goes out on Sunday. Uh, and of course, you can like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, and of course, uh, just uh, give us a nice five star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. All those things do help us out. And you get us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. And I'll just take this time uh, to thank our Patreon producers for the month. Thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Al Treisman. Uh, but thank you to all of our patrons and anyone who listens to the show. But there you go. That's episode three four nine. I feel like we just celebrated episode 300 like two months ago or so. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's been that long. Yeah, it was like five episodes ago for me. 
<laughs> for you. And Connor's moved, gotten engaged, gotten a cat, all in between his last appearance. That's <laughs> <laughs> not that far off. Uh, no, it's not. All right. The last one of the show, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, sorry about all the dark side having sex with yeah, bad jokes. Yeah, me too. I'm sorry that I even thought like it was funny. Actually, I'm not because it's very funny because it's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much we'll see you next time keep reading DC comics and remember to never get lost at the speech force